Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Joe Jackson. And now we're looking at Die Hard. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> for better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Joe, how are you doing today? I am all right, Jeffrey. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm discussing one of my favorite films. Uh, and yes, this is our Christmas film this year. I know the strong debates in the film world of whether or not this constitutes a Christmas film There's or not. There's so many Christmas references. It's a Christmas party I go to. I feel like if they take a well-known Christmas song and work it into the score proper... It's a Christmas movie. Uh, absolutely. I, th- I think the the argument is more of like, if you were to take all that out, would it actually affect the film? Uh, but For it was sure. what you brought up the point of, I mean, what a what a jerk thing to do, Nakatomi, of making all of your to employees have, your have, a, employee have a party Christmas on Christmas party? Eve. Christmas Eve. I know they just closed some ones. big deal, but that's right. also kind of suspect. Like, everybody closed a big deal on Christmas Eve? On Christmas Eve. They're, God, they are working these people to the bone they here are. at Nakatomi. <sighs> My, I'm sure everyone at the end, they are so thrilled to be like, well, the boss is dead. Like, every the building went kablooey. Like, we definitely don't have to come into work tomorrow on Christmas. Mr. Takagi seems so nice, but really he's Ebenezer Scrooge wow, the whole time. He's like, he's wow. Michael Caine in Muppet Christmas Carol. He's like, you know, you, you can come in a half hour late on That's Christmas. That's the reveal. That's the, <laughs> that we, we didn't ever really put together. But I think if you read between the lines. It's there, people. It's there. It is there. Uh, but I, I like, I mean, I think the director, John McTiernan, I think he says that it is a Christmas film. Bruce Willis said, it's not a Christmas film. It's a Bruce Willis film. Oh my gosh. So you could take that as you will. Wow, uh, I just sprained my eyeballs <laughs> from rolling them. Uh, let's get into it. Die Hard is an action film that came out on July 28th, 1988, and was directed by John McTiernan and written by Jeb Stewart and Stephen E. D'Souza. Amy Jo, what's your experience with Die Hard? I've seen it before. I don't remember the first time I saw it. Probably like like high school or college kind of mm. late um it's interesting that it came out in july i was wondering about that i was like well if it came out thanksgiving or later then that's absolutely a christmas film but uh but, but it's, it's christmas also, in july yeah which we love we, which love, we love christmas in july. um yeah i mean i've uh, now i've watched it a lot more um frequently because it's one of the ones that we put up our tree like we'll put up our tree and put this on in the yeah. background but i will say it had been years since i'd sat down and watched it mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm usually listening to it while unboxing gorgeous ornaments and putting them on a pine tree so i there was stuff i was like oh i haven't like actually like that's that's good or i just like would only watch alan rickman scenes right so there's a lot that i really had forgotten um so this was a nice refresher to a film i thought i knew better than i turns out i did <sighs> i love it yeah same i mean i i've seen this movie so many times i forget when i first watched it though like i, I think it was around high school maybe a little before high school i think it was around like some of eighth grade or something uh but i've seen it so many times and yeah now we we put it on every christmas but um this this is the first time that i i've always just assumed he bought that giant bear for holly and then this is the first time i realized like oh yeah he also has a tiny little daughter so he yeah. probably bought this giant bear for his for daughter kid. or yeah. or the and or son um i was like clueless john mcclain doesn't know his wife just want holly just wants an apology she doesn't want a giant stuffed bear john you dumb dumb like, um, oh, but no, really real i'm Poe the dumb, dumb. Oh, put, put the bear back in the limo uh, that would be great if he had this giant bear that he was trying to keep safe 
to give to his <laughs> daughter Conair at the end on the plane. No, I mean in Die Hard, if he had to care, if he was oh, carrying see, this yes. giant teddy bear around with him, he, maybe it's like one of those like stuffed animals that have the Velcro on the hand, so you can put top, put it over oh as if gosh. it's doing a piggyback ride. Or he guts it like in in oh, Star Wars oh and God. goes inside, and then he's oh, like Spooky Bear, the ultimate sacrifice from Spooky Bear. <laughs> Why is it a Spooky Bear? Well, it's spooky if it's uh, uh, alive. Oh, I see. If, if you go inside and wear like a costume, rah rah, scare some terrorists. So now he's bought a, an actual bear to gift to his children, and he's got to keep his. I, I, you know what? I think Die Hard is a pretty perfect film. But if he had a sidekick bear running around with him, not gonna complain. Rah rah rah! That he'd just be like, "Go get him, bear! Go get him!" You know, Ringo and Ringo the bear is just gonna go swat and paw. Swat and paw. The old swat and paw technique. They, they teach it in the in and uh well in he, you know, he, he's a New York cop so that's why they didn't that they they're they ready for L A cops that are just coming by with you know a cat New a York dog. everybody's New you York, know you got you're not New York in a car get bears you need to be prepared for wildlife exactly pigeons rats squirrels bears pigeon rat squirrel bear is is how you uh the level when you of, go to the of... police academy yeah you start your training <laughs> with a pigeon and then oh, then you get a rat and surprisingly then the squirrel squirrel's a little 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 feistier than the rat and then uh, when you graduate police academy you get a bear yeah as your partner yeah <laughs> your... and good luck to you they say good luck to you I really want a bear, the, a live bear in this film now. I think it's the one thing missing. Well, that's um, a pr- surprise they didn't do it for the Russian diehard. Maybe they did. I didn't see oh, it, but that feels didn't. like exactly that, right. Oh man, I mean that movie is such a whiff. It's really mostly diminishing returns as you go through the franchise. I do think the third one's really good. Is that I the mean, Samuel L. Jackson one. Samuel, you get that's Samuel the only Jackson other one I've seen, and it's excellent. And Jeremy Irons, yeah, and you get John McTiernan back directing. And uh, it's in New York, and it's in New York. Is, we love it. We love it. New York. We love New York. We love it. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I love this film, so let's get into it. Spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Die Hard or haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief-ish synopsis. On Christmas Eve, NYPD detective John McClane arrives in L.A. intending to reconcile with his estranged wife, Holly. He is driven to Nakatomi Plaza by his driver, Argyle, to attend a Christmas party held by Holly's employer, the Nakatomi Corporation. John and Holly argue over her decision to use her maiden name while at the company, and while McLean changes clothes, the tower is seized by Hans Gruber and his heavily armed team. Now, while he's changing clothes, he has taken off his shoes on the advice of his seatmate on the airplane to, like, make fists settle with, with your, your feet. T- with make your feet. fists with your toes. That's right. Yeah, make fists that's, with your toes. That's one of the things that I would like, kind of forgotten is, like, how he wound up barefoot, you know? Right. And, but it's, like, so brilliant in just, like, immediately making things harder for him from the jump, you know? It's a great, uh, yes, logistical, like, way to then put him at such a disadvantage, which I don't oh, yeah. think I'd, I'd never seen before in at least, like, a big film of, like, oh, your protagonist is now barefoot. What a terrible and disadvantage. And when, when Alan Rickman, like, realizes it, it's, like, oh, so yeah. smart. Shoot. Like, oh, well, oh, I like that he says, I like that he says it in German to Carl, and Carl looks at him like, why, why are you speaking German to me? It's like, shoot the, I'm not actually German, Alan. I'm playing a role. It's like, shoot the class. It's like, oh, okay, right, my cue. You're not German either. Your pronunciation <laughs> is confusing to me. Um, but it's also a great way, yeah, to, like, deal with jet lag make the fist with your toes like a, no- yeah. a natural way to get his shoes off opposed to being like is there a place that i can like uh clean, change my socks clean up and uh clip my toenails or whatever because <laughs> you guys are real f- you guys are a little too fancy here considering uh, i'm very underdressed uh and oh, I'm that feeling was great when he was real in. gross so i'd love to do a old cl- snip, snip snip and clip on the old uh, t- ew, toenails here <laughs> yeah when they show the christmas party before he gets there and they've got the string quartet and everything you're like oh this is really nice and then when he like walks in and he's oh, like yeah. hey bada bing bada pizza like, in my mouth practically yeah you sure know? Well, i guess i'll take some champagne this definitely does not look like champagne no but, uh, sure okay. didn't taste like it either and guess but just it's <laughs> california like, 
Oh, man. What, what'd they do to my uh, bubbles? Uh, my bubbles. In New York, we got champagne that looks like champagne. I don't know what this red nonsense is. But then when he walks in and you hear the string quartet playing and he's dressed like he's dressed, you're like, it, it's just really great character revealing without him oh, yeah. having to do anything. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely. just like, oh, this is a fish out of water. Yeah. <laughs> It sure is. And if only that fish had a bear with him. Um, so this is a rat out of the sewers. A rat system. out of the sewers. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's like, I'm just the fly in the ointment, the monkey in the wrench, the rat in the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those inside the tower are taken hostage, except for Jum, who slips away. Gruber interrogates Nakatomi executive Joseph Takagi for the building's vault code, and he reveals that he and his gang are pretending to be terrorists, which is also very fun. That was a this movie was like made up on the fly in so many different ways. Mm. Um, but like John McTiernan was like they were supposed to be terrorists, and he was like, oh, that's depressing. He's like, what if they were just like bank robbers pretending to be terrorists? So you can still kind of root for them because mm-hmm. when they like finally get the vault open and it's, and it's like, the full triumphant. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's delightful. Another, like, uh, often used in a Christmas sense. Yeah. You know. This is true. This is true. But yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to get uh, $640 million in untraceable bear bonds. Takaki refuses, and he's executed. Ba- wait, bear bonds? Bear, oh, those bear bonds. Rar, rar. Oh, they finally get in, and they're like, oh, no, these are not bear bonds, Carl. They're bear bonds. And then... That you have to turn them in and to get a bear, maybe? Or maybe they're just all bears? They're written in bear? They're written in oh, bear. Oh, they are actual bears? Yeah, Which is all know. these bears? Yeah, yeah, just bears The name's cages. Bond, Bear Bond. Bear, Bond, Bear, Bond. It's just a big secret agent bear. I really followed it to the logical conclusion, I think. We really, there's nowhere else to go. That's just what, what it is. <laughs> now they're on this path to bear, <laughs> to bear Bond. Bear Bond. The new James Bond. That's who's going to replace Daniel Craig, is a literal is bear. Is a bear. Bear Bond. Well. Um, why not? Why not? I'd watch it. <laughs> you, a lot, a lot of you act like want. that's not like a stamp of like a glowing recommendation. It's like, oh, wow. Well, if Jeff would watch it, it must be a pretty good idea. You, but you just laugh at the fact as if to be like, well, you, my dear, you'll watch literal I, garbage. I, yes, that is true about you. But I didn't mean that. I just was thinking it's funny because so would a lot of people. Sure. You know, at a certain point, you're like, well, it's a Bond film. Who cares? It's a literal <laughs> bear. I'll, I'll watch anything if yeah, it's in the franchise. There are these, these guys that have never been a fan of Daniel Craig. And like, well, at least this Bond is not a blonde is what I'm pleased to see. Finally. a, a James, natural brunette. Finally, my Bond is a brunette again. <laughs> dark, dark brown hair like I like on my Bond. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have a Bear is Bond than a woman, because I'm a freaking moron. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, back to it. Takagi's executed. McLean, who is secretly watching events, triggers a fire alarm in a failed attempt to summon the authorities. Uh, and one of the henchmen, Tony, who's wearing, like, the coziest looking sweater. This first guy with the glasses, mm. that sweater oh, yes. looked very comfortable. Looked very fashionable. I would. That's uh, that's a real obscure Halloween costume, is Tony from Die Hard. Well, I mean, you what you probably. Glasses. Would do is is end up just wearing this sweater after he has written on it. Now I have a machine oh, gun. Oh, that's ho, great! Ho, ho. Ooh, I that's like a, that. That's a very. That's oh, I know what this is. That, that's also. I'm sure you could buy that, but that feels like a real great Christmas sweater idea. Is just now oh, I have yeah. a machine gun. Ho ho ho! On your Christmas, like a great for like going to like a you know ugly a, Christmas a party. So you have that, and then you also tear the crap out of it and bloody it up. So that'd be great if you're still looking for 
ugly Christmas sweater Look ideas for your no Zoom. Further. Zoom. Emphasis on Zoom. Christmas, Christmas parties? parties. Then your you, you're welcome. Your holiday soiree on um, the internet. You can mail the check to at and almost not. Uh, hey. <laughs> hey. You have we accept Venmo. PayPal. We got that Venmo. Uh, but yes, Tony is sent up from McLean. McLean kills him, obtaining his weapon in radio. We get that great. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. He sends I him like down the elevator. I like how you started doing it in Alan Rickman's voice and then you walked it back. Now I have now a machine, machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. ho. Uh, and he uses the radio to contact the LAPD, which sends Sergeant Al Powell to investigate all... I like how Powell sounds like Pal, if you're not enunciating clearly. He's my Al Powell, good old Reginald Bell Johnson, Carl Winslow himself. himself. I mean, I watched so much Family Matters so, growing up. So much. TGIF? You betcha. Oh, you betcha. But I, like, I... Because that started... The show started, like, I think the year like after this because it's 88 i think it was 89 that um, makes sense because he got he fully got carl winslow because of this film they really? saw they saw this movie and they were like this guy this is the guy he's so charming he's so charming. why would you not want to put why that guy in a you? series yeah give him like a decade's worth of yeah. uh, sitcom sitcom money yeah delighted about it um but i did I've, I grew an appreciation for the rest of the cast. But as a child, I would refer to the show as Urkel. I was like four, well, yes. like five when I was watching well, this. And I was like, I want to watch else. Urkel. Yeah. It's like, it's called Family Matters. And I was like, yeah, Urkel. The Urkel <laughs> Show. Oh, it's the Urkel Show. Man, I'm sure they're fighting tooth and nail to stop that show getting renamed the Urkel Show. <laughs> well, that's a real, like, uh, Good Morning, Miss Bliss changing it to Saved by the Bell for Ooh, season two. That's true. You and Miss Bliss, what happened to her? That's Haley Mills. But what happened to her on the show, I mean? Oh, did they just she, write her off? She was probably like, peace. This peace, isn't goodbye. for me. Right, right, I'm right. Haley Mills. I'm not playing like eighth it, it was build like a after a bunch of teenagers. Reboot. But yeah, but it's like, man, she that's like she got booted out of there that's like rough. Roseanne. I don't know what actually, not like Roseanne, well, not in it, no, disgrace. No. Well, exactly. But that's what I know. But that's what I'm saying is that like with Roseanne, it was like, and now we're just the Connors. And that was like, and now we're just saved by the bell in terms of like this soft reboot. Good night, Miss Bliss. Good night, Miss Bliss. <laughs> oh, no. That's a horror film oh, I want to no. see. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's brother Carl demands revenge on McLean. Uh, McLean kills, and so much of this it's hard to like. And then McLean kills more bad guys, and then he kills some more. Well, and they they like say there's like twelve, but they honestly they're not. It's not like when they all come in, we're all like, oh, there's number one, there's number two. Like you really like look at Alan Rickman looking real cool. Oh, and here's yeah. a really blonde guy and another really blonde guy. And, and then, then you got Theo, like the computer, like the hacker Yes, yes. Type. And then the, the guy who replaces yeah. the guard, who has like right. the southern twang. Which, going back to like, this movie was made up as it went along. Theo was supposed to die like halfway through. I think oh. it was supposed to be him instead of Alan Rickman that John McC like kept checking the stuff on the roof. Um, but he was supposed to die, but they liked his performance. So like, oh, he's oh let's great. Keep, let's keep Theo around. Oh, that's so wonderful. They would base, they'd be like, every, pretty much, okay, every 10 to 15 pages, another guy has to die. And based on the performances, they're like, oh, well, this guy's pretty good. Let's keep him around. And like, <gasps> this guy, don't really care too much for him. So uh, he can go bing, bang, boom in the next scene. Got to get rid of him. I know. Because like, basically, because it's only like the guy, the one, first guy has to die because he's the brother. So like, that's, yeah. that's like for plot reasons, this particular totally. character has to die now. But like, I, I think, um, yeah, Theo is it is it like the only one that makes it out alive because he just yeah. gets punched. Yeah, he gets knocked out by Argyle at the well, end. He really makes it through. And the quarterback is toast. <laughs> he's just he's got great line readings. Oh, yeah. Which is what's fun is uh that art the actors that play Argyle and Theo, there's this very dumb, like two minute commercial for like batteries or something. 
um, where they get Bruce Willis as as like John McClane, and they but they have the actors that played Theo and Argyle like return as if Theo is like trying to like get his henchmen and they're trying to like run down Bruce Willis, um, and then Argyle's like as the driver shows up and it's like you're still driving this limo. <laughs> that's fantastic uh it's it was pretty charming i was like oh that's real cool like when was that this is this year no this is in 2020 i did not know this existed um i don't know when this originally dropped but you can look it up if you youtube like die hard battery commercial i was like oh that's good i i that made me happy opposed to like if it was just bruce willis the fact that you've got like argyle original guys yeah i mean what was reginald vell johnson doing you couldn't get him in in the mix too i don't know he's i don't know he's not um he he's not a heist man he's not a heist man anymore uh but yeah mclean is killing these guys he gets their this duffel bag of c4 and detonators he gets uh al pal is gonna leave and he throws a bad guy on his car it's an effective way to get someone's attention it sure is look it's i've got this body it's just up here rotten it's amazing he doesn't accidentally kill this guy because then also all the t- all the robbers are shooting his car to smithereens the fact that well that al makes it through this whole sequence with the car like backing up and all of that is is shocking um but you know plausible the number of times bruce willis does not die and one of my notes is how is this guy not dead but like every 20 minutes i'm like really he lived through that that's fascinating really oh and this this moment too oh this okay that's an interesting thought but what's nice is because he's not and that's kind of like why i think this movie works so well is because he's not your you know unstoppable action star guy no. that he is such a regular he's like a in shape but he's still like a regular degular guy regular degular so it's opposed to being like you know when you're watching like whatever an arnold movie or jcbd and you're yes. like okay well this is fantasy this is land a but superhuman this guy won dying. mr universe right, this right. is the best yeah bruce willis couldn't even win mr new jersey like, <laughs> <laughs> and lord knows he tried he tried damn it the best he got was like mr i don't know mr mr bayone mr bayone of, of new jersey he couldn't go he couldn't go he couldn't make it to state didn't even make it to uh, <laughs> didn't make it to trenton um but yes so holly's co-worker harry ellis attempts to mediate between gruber and mclean for the latter's surrender mclean refuses and ellis is killed okay i gotta say yeah. i i forgot what his name was when i was writing a note about him so i just called him coke boy coke boy coke boy mm-hmm. uh, i was like oh coke boy's the worst and then, and then he was like ellis you know over the radio and i was like oh his name's ellis and i had this thought because he's like so clearly written to personify everything that like anyone who w- was like a normal person who was not like a high-flying business mm-hmm. uh exec type person in the 80s like probably thinks of when they think of like obnoxious yeah. business type guys so i was like was this supposed to be based on like brett easton El- like brett easton ellis oh. was- he had written a-, a book that was like quite well received in the 80s but American Psycho wasn't published till 91. I looked it up. But I was like, is this supposed to be a riff on that? Is that oh, why they named him Ellis? Right, right, right. I don't know that that's how that panned out. But I was like, but it it makes a tidy link in my mind. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I don't know to how how deeply, but this is based on a book very mm. loosely. Uh, so I don't know in terms of like, is that a character in the book of like, because I forget his character is like almost John McClane. It's named something else. It's like John McCain. It's like something John slightly different. John McRow. John Malkovich. Um, <laughs> so uh, Harry Ellis is killed. Gruber checks the explosives installed on the roof and encounters McLean. He pretends to be an escaped hostage, which is this Oh is... man! Oh, don't shoot me, man! Oh god! Oh, oh god! You're, oh, you're, god. One of them. you're one of them! <laughs> oh, I mean, it is pretty entertaining. And we were like, yeah, we never really got Alan Rickman 
as an American and ever? I, question I, mark? Yeah. I mean, why would you? Yeah. Why would you take that away? Because yeah. it's so much, so much of his wonderful, wonderful outwardness came was out of that voice. Just looking up his his IMDb earlier, and I saw that he played Ronald Reagan in some movie toward oh, the end of his um, life. Um, the Butler. Yes, yes. Yeah, Lee Daniels. And I didn't the see Butler. it, but Ronald Reagan certainly was Ooh. American. As I think we all unfortunately. That's know. right. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people saw the Butler. Um, but I forgot about that. You have like whatever you've got like Robin Williams and James Marsden and like so many like actors are like or maybe not Robin Williams, but or I could be there's like so many actors. It's in one that of those film. like uh he's like the New Year's Eve. Well he's the butler over the course of like oh, I see, seven I see. or eight presidencies. So you have all these like revolving door of, you know, presidents. Saturday Night Live impersonations <laughs> of his presidents. And then Dana Carvey shows up as Gerald Ford. Uh, but yeah, so this came about, this wasn't, this also, this wasn't in the script. They just wanted a way for Alan Rickman and Bruce Willis to actually meet Which, before I the mean, ending. And, and it also pays off then when he is able to figure out that she's married to him because he's seen so good. Yeah, he's it seen all him in person. Ties in together. It's really shabby. <laughs> wow, it's amazing because it's a really tight screenplay for something they were making up as they went. I know. That's kind it, of remarkable. I I was shocked. So much of like really strong setups and payoffs. Right. Because Bruce Willis, this is he was all he's really only known for moonlighting. He had like one or two small like movies that didn't do well, like mm-hmm. Blind Date, I think, with Kim Basinger. Um, but he was mainly, he was a TV guy, moonlighting. So he had, it worked out because Sybil Shepard got pregnant. Cause he was like, I can't do this movie. I'm shooting moonlighting all this time, but Sybil Shepard got pregnant. So like we have to go oh. on hold for like 14 weeks. But the first two weeks of filming for Die Hard, he was still doing moonlighting. So he was like try, having to film both moonlighting during the day, wow. Die Hard at night. Wow. So in order to not kill Bruce Willis, they just started beefing up. All, that's why this all this like supporting characters, all the stuff with uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, and then like Dwayne the, the T. Robinson, other, yeah. all of those scenes. That's great though, because it gives the movie such them. texture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, all the stuff with like the newscaster, yeah. the a hole newscaster oh, guy, God. and all that. I mean, that hostage terrorist, terrorist hostage, a study in, in duality. duality. <laughs> <laughs> that. But that's like so much of like all those little details that I love about this movie. It does make it feel more. Um, it's it's satirical and yet it's also those elements that really grounded in reality totally. where you see oh my gosh harvey johnson the newscaster which for those of you that are not musical theater people i heard that and i went is his name harvey johnson because quite famously if you are a bye bye birdie fan and are familiar with the song telephone hour there's one little scrawny pitsky hello mrs Garfine, this is harvey johnson can i speak like so but it's it's uh amazing they chose that name clearly these were not musical theater lovers that was actually me alan it was in my in my rider to do the film i, I would only do it if you worked in references to, to bye bye birdie i just love that conrad birdie what a that hunk. elvis stand in <laughs> what a hoot what a hoot. Uh, yeah, so th- this is the shoot the glass scene, and now he's picking glass out of his oh. feet, which is bugger, people. It's Yikes. very effective, where they're like, oh, yeah. well, we can't necessarily see him, so let's just make it impossible for him to, like, run after us. Well, uh, outside, the FBI takes over the situation and orders the power shut off. And it's as Johnson as and Gerber, Johnson. Johnson and Johnson. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, Johnson and Johnson, no relation. So also not related to the product, Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but they, as Gruber anticipated, the power cut disables the final vault lock and his team collects the bonds. 
Gruber demands a helicopter be flown to the roof. The FBI agrees, intending to send gunship helicopters to eliminate the group, regardless of collateral damage to the hostages. Mac- All this stuff that, like, Gruber has planned. Oh, yeah. Like, Such a, a great plan. It's it's just like, well, what are the cops and the FBI going yeah. to do? What's their protocol? And how can we then use that to our advantage? Mm. You know, or not just to our advantage, but, like, how can we make that part of the plan? Definitely. Yeah. And the one thing his plan didn't count on was a giant bear. A giant bear hiding upstairs. <laughs> the old bear upstairs. Uh, McLean contacts Powell. What are you doing upstairs, Hans? <laughs> what are you doing upstairs with that bear, huh? <laughs> what are you doing upstairs? Why is there a lumbering bear on the 32nd floor? <laughs> Come on, bear. Let's go check this out. Uh, yeah, Powell tells McLean. Oh, this is where we get Powell telling McLean that he accidentally shot a child once, and which is why he's now Oof. like a desk cop i mean yeah that just continues to age but like not even it's like they fully give it the they fully yeah and it's it's one of those things the weight of it yeah that continues to just be uh uh, relevant uh yeah yeah unfortunately so unfortunately so um but mclean yeah he realizes gruber intends to detonate the rooftop killing the hostages and the fbi agents in order to fake uh, all their team's death uh, this is where Carl confronts McLean. Finally, they have this giant, long fight. Uh, it's so good. It's like so. It's also that. It's like so like scatter shot. Like he's just like trying to scry. So just scrabbling to survive yeah. McLean all throughout. It's not just like and now here is this cool action scene. He's just like trying to just keep just punch, 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 and it's like there you go. And like eat that, eat this, and he's just like take my fish, grab it, lunch. chain, get over here. We're like why isn't the bear helping? Come on. <laughs> it's also great um, having this actor with this like long white blonde hair like it's like number one it just reads so like german number two it looks great when you're flipping it around at a fight scene being like watch watch platinum (laughs) boy go yeah so that is uh alexander godunov who was a ballet dancer at the bolshoi and worked (gasps) with barishnikov he was like directed (sighs) by barishnikov so isn't that i love that that's fantastic (laughs) so he's russian that uh, explains yes. why he I didn't he's understand German. In real life. This, this exactly like, why he didn't Hans, understand why German. Me this? Alan, why are Alan. you improvising Alan. in German? You know I don't speak. You know I do not speak German. Uh, yes, Gruber figures out that Holly is not Holly Gennaro. She's Holly McLean. So he grabs her. The hostages are escorted to the roof. And McLean seemingly kills Carl and, and rescues the hostages just before the roof is detonated, destroying the FBI guys. And McLean finally confronts Gruber. And distracts him and his henchman, Eddie, by laughing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This goes on for so long. I was like, he's been disarmed. They're just, Hans is going to be like, boop, we're done. But no, they chortle and chuckle for 30 seconds. Uh, to be fair, it is hilarious imagining is Alan it? Rickman as a cowboy. Yes. Yes. I think he is in, which I've never seen, but there's like this Tom Selleck movie that he's in, Quigley Down Under, where he's like a like a cowboyish type that has to go to Australia. And he's just like, oh, a di- it's, I think the tagline might as well be like a different kind of outback or like whatever, like the, the old, the wild west comes to the, whatever. I don't know. Um, You've really described Alan, it beautifully. Right? I Thank you so much. Yeah, I worked really hard on that description of Quigley Down Under, mm-hmm. uh, but you get some Alan Rickman was supposedly some pretty. It seems like some pretty good Alan Rickman. Um, so it's always pretty good Alan. Rickman. Well, this is true, but when even you, you bad give Alan him, Rickman is not Alan Rickman's fault. But I mean, the movie is giving him a lot of fun. I see, I see. Stuff the juice to do. The movie's allowing him to go, go, you know, spitball. It's like I still we still need to see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves for Alan Rickman and for Alan Rickman alone. It's true. Well, yes, obviously, yes. But he got to improvise 
up and down that movie and which sideways. is great That's and sideways but it's just delightful the clips i've seen of him like you know grabbing a woman and be like you there meet me in my bedchamber at 10 let her go like you there meet me in my bedchamber at 10 30 bring a friend <laughs> <laughs> just like letting him run wild as alan rickman what a treasure Ugh. what a treasure oh r.i.p I, I miss him. He's uh, always a delight whenever. Just so we just rewatched good. Galaxy Quest like the other week and just one of my favorites. His performance is tremendous. Oh, like underrated. I know we've talked about Galaxy Quest off and on a lot a lot <laughs> on the spot, but it's cuz uh, all those actors are phenomenal and it's such a good movie. But yeah, when he does yeah. that like genuine by Grapthar's hammer. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I know, I know. Um but so yes, Eddie he kills Eddie, he wounds Gruber who goes out the window, uh, but is still holding on to Holly, so they have to the Rolex. There's another great setup and payoff. Not like show Plaza gave her. But it's like but but they set it up at the top being like show him the watch maybe later it's a rolex but she never actually is like hey look at the watch so when he really sees the watch for the first time it's when he's prying it off of her (laughs) wrist to get this deadweight german Uh, off of it it's great and then oh man i mean that shot because (sighs) they they told alan rickman that they were gonna let him they're gonna we're gonna go like three two one and drop you and instead they went three dropped him so that's why his face it's like perfect it's like oh no i wasn't ready but what a shot and the best moment of because he's so obnoxious like the Dwayne t robinson like the cop uh is just like oh god i hope that's not a hostage he once once the fbi comes in and he then just becomes full clown yeah really like Dwayne. yeah a lot you're right more. You're yeah like, oh, what agreed. a little clown uh, boy exactly uh outside mclean and holly meet powell carl emerges and attempts to shoot mclean but is killed by powell I, I i will say two things here number one how is carl still alive he was choked to death by chains. This is true. He does have like one hand like hooked into guess, it is the okay. best I can come but, like, up with. But like when the hostages it... are running up and down, he's like hanging there still. Like I don't know how he managed how he got... for I, I mean, that I, That's long. the best I can think of is that yeah. he just, just managed to like. So there's that. Or but... maybe because he, the chain is like wrapped wrapped around twice. It's not like a whatever, a full-blown noose. It's only wrapped around twice. So know, he could just... have just come undone and okay. fallen down maybe. It's just the length of time he's there. They all go up to the roof. They come down. The roof explodes and he somehow not like it, it's just that's a oh he was just below the roof he was oh, just below the explosion right, right. <laughs> through those thick 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 floors maybe he just used his ballet training he just did some pot of he jeted out of that chain that's what happened okay so there's that the other thing i will say and like even before like the events of this summer and uh, like a, a civil rights movement mm-hmm. it always bothered me the way not the way that Reginald Val, Val Johnson plays the moment. Because yeah. I think he plays it as a, like a, wow. I, I, like, he, it's not like necessarily a triumphant moment in his eyes. It's more like instinct and, and, and oh, I just did that. You know, um, I think he plays it in a way that has nuance. But the way that it is scored and, and like shot, it's like such a, what a lovely triumph. <laughs> There's like ring-a-ding-ding and bells are ringing. And it's just, it's kind of disgusting. Mm. <laughs> you know, I know that it's like the bad guy, but it's also like just this moment of like, oh boy, this cop finally got his guts back and isn't afraid to murder people. It right. was, it just really, I find upsetting to watch. Yeah. But like, again, if you're not listening, it's just a very interesting example too of like what score can do for something and what editing can do and being like totally. the way that they are shooting him versus the performance that the actor is giving. Right. Um, I just find 
interesting and I I didn't want to not note that it's a really rough moment yeah. in 2020 because then, then Argyle comes through and, and now he is ready he's got he's like ready to he's just got the yeah. finger on the trigger and he's like okay can I shoot this guy too and it's like okay no no calm down calm down for the love of God <sighs> Al pal gotta calm down yes yeah, so Argyle bur- com- finally bursts through from the parking garage uh, after he punching has, out Theo yeah, which is great he has punched out yeah. Theo and uh, Holly and John make up they g- get into Argyle's limo to I would hope drive the to the hospital? hospital but you know what a classy way to get to the hospital going to the hospital in a limo in style oh my god <laughs> yeah it's like that guy's gonna have gangrene and tetanus in like two seconds if he doesn't get like some shots and some like salve yeah. and some gauze at least some gauze just slap some gauze on the guy folks. disinfect those could he have wounds. at least have one of those little space blankets that they always the little blankies they put around people when they're sitting well, they in the back the of the ambulance code. they gave him the fireman's coat yeah well, then he goes off in the limo and that fireman's like hey that wasn't for keeps get back here that's my, my coat. coat man that's my coat man uh exactly the casting director of die hard was jackie birch an emmy nominee for casting the hbo tv movie bessie birch is also cast such films as The Breakfast Club, Three Amigos, Predator, and Coming to America. Wow, so a lot of comedies. A lot of comedies, yeah. yeah. I mean, there is a it's, substantial amount of comedy in this film, which you, you need, because oh, it's, yeah. yeah, I think it's like a really it's a lot of people. There's balances a high that body tone. count. This is true. This is very true. Um, so let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Now, some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy Joe is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. I don't know a single thing. <laughs> Not one new thing. Um, so let's kick it off with old John McClane. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Bruce old bruce willie bruce. and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else so i have written here that i think this is the best utilization a- of absolutely bruce willis 100 percent. best way to use him best like kind of character fit for him yeah. i have some thoughts but if i am honest this kind of role and the kinds of actors who play them are the least interesting to me of any species of actor on the planet. <laughs> Just like broy action stars. I don't it's I like an action movie. Yeah. But this kind of character, I'm like, I don't care. There's like not even the slightest hint of camp. So I don't care. <laughs> I j ju- I don't. I don't care. I hear that. Sure. Um sure. like Bruce Willis, I was like, what have I even seen him in other than Die Hard? I was like, Pulp I guess, Fiction? Pulp Fiction, yes. And then like Ocean's 12, 12 which was an unfortunate himself. waste of my time oh, and life. Oh, that was a waste of everyone's time. It was, but unfortunately I saw it in a theater. So I was like, I guess I'm sitting here until <laughs> the clock is up on this hot garbage. Um, I mean, I've seen him in things, absolutely. But, yeah. but it, I'm not like, ooh, Bruce Willis. Let me go check out the Bruce Willis feet. I don't care. I don't. <laughs> well, especially now. Bruce Willis has stopped caring. Talk about Bruce you, Willis you don't care. Him. Bruce Willis, no matter how much you don't care, Bruce Willis will Cares not care less. even more. Truche. Well put. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, this this also, so, so understand that I'm approaching this. This is my murkiest area. This Great. is my area of least expertise. I'm like, I don't know. Other people who do this are also boring to me, even if they're good at what they do, which I think he is. I think he's yeah. very good in this role. I'm like, I just don't care. But, I mean, considering, like, so much of it is, like, wrong, just at the wrong place at the wrong time, that you can kind of have, like, yeah, he's a cop, but 
outside of that, like a, whatever a, a cop is, can be very mean, very totally. different things it's in terms like, of what that person looks like, what that person is like. Totally. Uh, but but I was thinking like, what does this person have to execute over the course of this? Like totally. that would actually sure. make sense. And they're yeah. like, wow, they really overcame a lot. It's like no. Gotcha, he, gotcha. What, what would this person yeah, be able to do? It's not like a guy do? that's like, I'm in the academy still. Yeah, or it's, it's my not first like, day. It's not, you don't have Reginald Val Johnson in this role, you know? Sure, like, true, it, true. See, I, I was thinking, like, you don't have Rick Moranis in this role. You also you don't, don't have, have Rick Moranis first, in this role. First day on the job, Rick Moranis. Oh, no. That's, uh, I'm more interested. Oh, man, but if Reginald Val Johnson as John McClane would rule. That it'd would be, be great, but it'd be a very amazing. different. Oh, of course, absolutely. Franchise, you know? Well, yes. Um, um But that would be really cool yeah but it, it's very different like i mean the oh, sure. one of the first shots of of al is in a 7-eleven buying a bunch of junk food you yeah. know it's like is that guy going to be able to run up and down a million flights of stairs um, and like well that is for his pregnant wife uh that's what <laughs> he, he doesn't know the ingredients to twinkies right off the jump by by heart he <laughs> so that does speak to the fact that maybe Al, are they all for your pregnant wife? Are some of them maybe not making it into the house? I think you got some wrappers, wrappers in the the floor. One for me, one one for you. (laughs) You know that kind of thing. But anyway, like that's not to say that people have to be like super lean and muscular in order to be athletic. But that's not typically what he. Oh, sure. Plays. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that actor can actually physically like do all of those things. You know. Sure. Sure. Anyway, all of that is to say, I don't have like a ton of thoughts. My my. When in my brain, I think who is the most similar to Bruce Willis mm-hmm. uh, is Kevin Costner, who I don't think I've seen in a maybe <laughs> any any movies. No, I've seen him in For Love of the Game. For lo- wow, I was gonna say because Kevin Costner did not play himself in an Oceans film, so you might not have seen him in anything. Again, you ever, I don't you care ever saw about like that a guy. Field of Dreams. No, or uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. No, big ones. No, great. Okay, didn't That's see fine. that Robin Hood, and I only dances watch it with for... wolves. Uh, oh, I. Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> I saw Last Mohicans. Last Mohicans. Yes. Yes. A- anyway, yeah, no. But to me, I'm like, they're not the same, but it's fairly close. I hear that. As far as like a contemporary, if we're going yeah, to someone yeah, yeah. else who's like similar enough in my brain. And honestly, yeah. I, I'm talking from ignorance. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Another sure. person that I thought like would be very different, but could execute a lot of the same things and is around the same age as Swayze. Oh, yeah. Like, very different. Definitely. He's not a New York cop. This <laughs> that is accent very true. is, that guy's a cop from Houston, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but that still works. It's still a different region, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, and then thinking, Swayze made me think, like, a latter day, not latter day, like, not contemporary, but, like, not that era, obviously. Um, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, Keanu. Um, yeah. It's, uh, we've seen We've seen it. He could do that sort of thing. I think he's not quite as <laughs> he's nowhere near as good as Willis with the quips. With the quips, and like, I mean, I do think he, that scene where he's like pulling the glass out of his feet, and he's just like, he thinks he's gonna die, and he's like, "Tell my wife yeah. that I'm, you know, it's she's good. heard me say I love you a thousand times. She's never heard me say I'm sorry." I'm, I think he's I, very good in this. I just don't, I don't care about. Of course, my point is, I don't know if Keanu could yes. do that scene. I think he could do so much of this film. He's so I love Keanu. He's I so love good. Keanu. We've but, talked about him. Yeah. Ad nauseum on the pod. Especially in the films we've done of his. Which are plentiful. My other choice, and this is an actor. I can't stress enough how much I don't care about this actor. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is uh, almost a hilarious (laughs) choice. But I think Vin Diesel. 
running around in a building blowing yeah. up. I believe yeah. it is what I'm saying. I believe it as well. I cer- I certainly believe that he has marital problems. <laughs> got me <laughs> it sure did uh, oh yeah that guy's troubled yeah that, i don't know that's like if Vin this was Diesel's troubled but if this I was made it. yeah if this is made today and you're getting like the rock is drama clan you're like yeah but what are the you, like, you don't buy the scenes where he's just like the rock is the same as casting arnold it's like that guy how is that guy oh i just meant in terms of like the rock seems too nice to me to be Obviously. really buying the like yeah, the marital yeah. strife whereas vin diesel you're like that she's still with you yeah <laughs> what, what? <laughs> I'm surprised she doesn't have a restraining order against yeah, you guys. She seems smart. Get like, out of here, pizza dough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So those are those are those are my thoughts. I love it. You, I, I hadn't considered it for whatever reason. When you mentioned Kevin Costner, he's no, he's nothing like Kevin Costner. But I was like, someone like a Bill Pullman, someone who's like he seems capable, or like Bill mm, Paxton. Someone Bill Paxton, I see someone more. who's capable enough. Where it's like he's like seems like in shape, but he's certainly not like a uh, action hero type. Yeah. And you're putting that kind of guy in the like. You know, whatever. This is this is my this is my wife. This is my responsibility. Just going full home alone yes. in a big old it's, building. It's also someone who. I mean, obviously, this is something that doesn't have to be an element, but I really like this element in the film, which is the kind of like very white collar, super super fancy. Oh, that yeah. they've got that beautiful waterfall and like pond. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I'm some dude who's like, here, yeah, you're really fancy <laughs> now, Holly Gennaro. You know, this this like class thing. Yeah. And then you have someone like Alan Rickman who's playing like a really like I'm an exceptional thief, you know, just it's really a gr- classy. It's a, gr- it's a snobs versus slobs comedy. Exactly. Exactly. And that is where I think Paxton's going to be a better fit than Pullman. I hear that. Even though Pullman is, is still like kind of but can I get play that. every every man kind of yeah. thing. I feel like Paxton's more scrappier right. energy. I, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin. Not a terrible casting choice of someone right. who's, I mean, it's very similar to Bruce Willis. These same beats of like, oh yeah, you're like a problematic guy. You're just someone who. You're probably really rude to your wife on the daily. E- exactly. That you buy, you're like, yep, marital strife. That you buy, that you're like, you are not like an action, cut Arnold yeah. action hero. But like, I think that you're, you know, you're still getting what's required of you in the role. Yeah. But, but also someone like Alec Baldwin is someone you're like, ah, especially if we're talking like 88 Alec Baldwin, it's like, year of working you're working. What? The year of working. Exactly. Girl. It's like you, you're a jerk, but also like you're beautiful. So True. I, I, it has, he has like charisma. You know? the, one, the one thing is, though, because he spends so much of the movie in a tank top, will we be, will we be distracted by the uh, sweater that he is constantly oh. wearing for a chest? Hey, as we, we saw wouldn't believe Girl. that guy is like <laughs> uh, Italian American from Staten Island. You Ooh, know, Staten we would, Island cop coming really to shake things Staten up. That's Island. the last thing anyone expects is the Staten Island cop. <laughs> <laughs> um, my thoughts were is really mainly if it was made more like today. To me, it's like the guy that's like this. That is actually, I mean, maybe he's also problematic, but to me, get me some Tom Hardy. Oh. The guy where you're like, I can certainly believe he can, he plays the roles. Sure. You can play a role where you're like, yeah, you, uh, you definitely are a rough around the edges yeah, guy totally. whose wife can, can't stand you. I guess it's just, it didn't even occur to me to think of a Brit because like Bruce Willis is such like an American guy. That's true. I've seen enough of like Tom Hardy in doing an American, an American. Accent. Yeah, I mean him in like Warriors, like this uh, MMA film that he Didn't did with it. Joel Edgerton. Um, I mean, I know I'm try- any of the films I'm thinking of, because um, then you feel like you mainly know him from like Inception and, uh, and Mad Max. And Ma- oh, Mad Max, of course, of course. Um, 
I would say the other one. Oh, there's this really good movie, The Drop, with him and uh, I think it was James Gandolfini's last role. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's got like a kind of like a New York like tough guy accent. That's that pretty much tends to be what he does. If he, when he's doing an American accent, he does in New, it's, a New it's York. Easier for some yeah. Brits to do that. Um, I think he'd be great. Is someone of like because I think you yeah that quippiness you do want. So I'm like someone that does still Tom have Hardy's some such comedy a good actor that like background, but he's also a normal guy. I was like, give me some John Cho. Uh, oh. I mean, John Cho was up for Jim in the office. That's so I'm like, right. he's someone that can do comedy. And I mean, of course, he's been in like, he's in like the in American Pie movies. So it is comedy, but he's like, yeah, you're like, this is a regular, I want like just that regular guy mm. or very different movie. Um, if at the time, 1988, make this either, you if you're, you know, it's 1988. So if anything, they'd probably just flip the gender of Holly or have them be lesbians. Give me Sigourney Weaver as John mm-hmm. McClane mm-hmm. is what I, I, I have more um, gender flippery in, in like all of the other Great. roles. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. Um, but let's get into it. So the actors that were actually up for John McClane right off the bat, you guessed it, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll, I forgot that I guessed it. Good I'll explain job, why. Me. So in, in 1968, there was this movie called The Detective that Frank Sinatra starred in that was based on the novel of the same name by author Roderick Thorpe. And The Detective, the book, has a sequel called Nothing Lasts Forever, and that's what they adapted Die Hard from. Mm-hmm. So because Frank Sinatra oh, was in the first gosh. one, they like they, they legally had to <gasps> offer him the role first. Uh, and considering he was 72, he graciously turned it down. But it feels like if he like if he says yes, like what do you do? Are you stuck what with Frank Sinatra? Or do you even, are you like, okay, we're gonna ch- Never mind. We're gonna just re. We're gonna write a new movie that all takes place in a building with all these bank robber terrorists. Wowie wowie wow. Um, but yeah, Frank Sinatra. Uh, second, that does make more sense now that you've explained it with yeah. a legal question. <laughs> second up, Sammy Davis Jr. Oh. Th- no, I'm just kidding. I was like, wouldn't he also be in his late seventies <laughs> at this point? In Dean time? Martin was considered. No, I'm just kidding. No, Clint Eastwood though was considered. Huh. He originally bought the rights to the novel "Nothing Lasts Forever," and so he planned in the early '80s to star in the film and possibly direct. Um, which I'm like 1980 Clint Eastwood. I can see a lot. Get that more readily. It's still just because like this feels like such a now you know yeah. It's what we most I mean, associate with course. Bruce Willis. Exactly, exactly. Like so many of the movies we do are, that are like, oh, well, this was the guy at like the center of the bullseye. This was the film that launched the yeah. guy. So it really does. It's hard to, and especially when it's a franchise, when it's someone that's like, you are inextricably tied to this. Like How Sigourney and Alien. Now? There's been five. Wow. Five diehard films. They've been trying to do like, because Bruce Willis doesn't want to make these anymore. They've been trying to do like a diehard year one. So it would be like half Bruce Willis and then half some young new guy to play whatever army hammer as young john mcclain or mm-hmm. some some boring white actor as young john mcclain vin diesel's like i could still do it um i, I swear really make it work. i'm definitely still young and i still look like i'm 25 <laughs> and just lived a bad hard 25 years it's been rough but i made it work uh instead in 1988 Clint Eastwood was making, speaking of five movies in a franchise, the fifth Dirty Harry movie. Jeez. The Deadpool. The dirtiest of Harry. The Dirty Harry Five. Dirtiest Harry. Apparently, The Deadpool co-stars Jim Carrey and Liam Neeson, which is surprising for me for a 1988 film. Wow. Or at least has like a a single scene of Jim Carrey, like early career Jim Carrey. But in a Dirty Harry. Jim Carrey in a Dirty Harry movie. Wow. Seems not what you think. Bananas to me. Uh, Paul Newman was considered huh well how old was he at that point that's a good question i'm gonna guess late 50s mm-hmm. 
maybe early 60s. So definitely still older, but maybe if Clint Eastwood was considered in the early 80s, maybe we're thinking 1980. So then you're a little That's more a little firmly in the yeah. 50s. Um, still much older. Like Bruce Willis, I think, was like 32, 33 when he did this. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's Paul Newman. He's, He'll make he was it Paul Newman. He's one of the best actors we ever had. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, that's interesting to me. That's a very different film. I mean, Paul Newman running around shooting it's an a bunch of guys is like, consider, yeah. what? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Burt Reynolds turned it down. Uh, yeah, I actually see that a little. That feels more. You get Meryl Strife for free. For free. It just walks <laughs> all the, the room. You get all the quips for free. Like, all mm-hmm. of that you're getting. You get that yeah, from the yeah, jump. Yeah. Um, so I kind of dig that. It's like, I don't actually I'm more into want that. it, but, like, I get it. I could see it. Especially if it was earlier. If this is, like, a 1978 movie, he's coming off a of Deliverance, like, that age, Burt Reynolds, mm-hmm. like, I can see that. I guess a little closer to Bruce Willis age, as he is in, in, the, in this. Mm-hmm. So, like, early 30s, Burt Reynolds. Yes, yes. I could see that working. I could totally see yeah. it. Charles Bronson was considered, huh. but he was under contract with Canon Pictures, so he was oh doing dear. all these oh Death dear. Wish sequels, which I think also has five films. I think there are five Death Wishes. What's with all these five film action franchises? It's just string them out, bring them dry. I know. You know? Well, forget about it. Now it's like you know we've got the ninth Fast and Furious movie coming. I can't believe it. I can't believe we're going to have nine Fast and Furious films. I just can't believe that it's taken this long to get nine my films out. And I wasn't in the second one, so we have to have at least two more so I could have ten Fast and Furious films. Does Triple X not count? Is that not a Fast and Furious film? Um, no, that is a triple X film. Oh, I thought Come, it was the same thing. No, I thought it was like di- spinoff like Hobbs and Shaw. Isn't that, am I thinking that, the right franchise? Hobbs and Shaw is indeed a Fast and Furious spinoff. Triple okay. X is, he's just a super like extreme sports. I don't just drive, I also skydive and surf. Wow. wow. Um, so he's just an extreme sports guy. Like, you know, to like, to the triple X, to the extreme. I see. Um, well, I'm yeah. thrilled. He- <laughs> You don't sound thrilled, but I'll no, take your word for I'm it. I'm a really fine um, actor. I don't know, I know why I'm not making it work today. <laughs> but Charles Bros Charles Brosnan, uh, Charles Bronson is like uh, he was he was great in you know his earlier stuff, but like the, uh, Charles, you wanted Charles Bronson in yeah. 1988. That's rough. I think he just finished the fourth Death Wish movie, and he is like barely getting through it. It's like well, that this movie is in no way, shape, or form remembered today. If you have Charles Bronson, I don't think so. In the lead, yeah, strange. It's strange. Unsurprisingly, Arnold Schwarzenegger was considered and turned it down. Being... Yeah, because he John McTiernan directed Predator, which was the year before Die Hard, which I finally saw for the first you did. time. You did. You did. What an experience. Oh, sure was. That sure was. Yeah, I'm not. I don't need it. I'm glad right. it didn't happen. It would have been. I mean, that would have been very interesting because I could have talked to one another in German, but they never would have. <laughs> Funnily enough, Bruce Willis born in Germany. It's true. Oh, I didn't know you knew that. I did know that. Oh well, consider me told. Hey, listener, Bruce Willis born, born in, in Germany. Germany. <laughs> yeah. I bet you didn't see that coming, listener. <laughs> Your jaws on the floor. I can't imagine in this not visual medium. Um, but yeah, this was Arnold in 1988. Was doing Twins and Red Heat, which is this Jim Belushi action comedy where they're like. Jim Belushi is this Chicago cop, and Arnold is this Russian who he has to, like, Russian uh, whatever, Gymnast. officer that he has to, like, team up with. Oh. Um, this is clearly Arnold being like, I am just doing the same film again and again. Like, I'm trying to branch out, which is good, because uh, Red Heat did not do well, but Twins made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and was definitely kind like, oh, you the can 90s actually, exactly, you can actually do, yeah, Kindergarten Cop then. And, like, oh, yeah. 
and everyone's favorite junior where he <laughs> um but those I will first say two that at least emma thompson is in junior so now this is very true carrying that film on her shoulder on, on her academy award winning shoulders, shoulders? <laughs> uh similarly sylvester stallone turned it down that i it makes more sense i thought of him yeah and i was like no yeah but i mean i get it but i, I get it, it I it's much it. more in line with like we're going with like a there's a class difference. We have slobs versus uh, you get that slobs snobs. versus snobs. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He was doing Rambo three in uh, in eighty eight instead. Mm-hmm. He was like just machine gunning entire countries worth of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. A much more overblown film than Die Hard is, which is pretty, if not realistic, still feels like a very like grounded film in in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. Which is also why I think it has such staying powers. Because I mean, like. Once the again, world's bare very feet, full. bare feet, your protagonist. Yeah. He's, he is not infallible in any way. He is Fallon left and right. He is Fallon. He He's is Fallon down. Fallon down. Uh, Richard Gere turned it down, which is uh, interesting. more in line with like a regular, degular yes, guy. absolutely. But, but that's not a guy it. that I really no. buy as a New York City cop who's like, why is my wife doing business good? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Al Pacino was considered. The Pacines. The Pacines. That's, uh, I mean, he's a very good actor. He sure is. That's... It's interesting. I, I, I've never, yeah. Al Pacino running around in an action movie is not something I've it's ever seen. To me. It's, it's interesting, an idea to imagine. Yes. Al Pacino, would he still be doing these diehard sequels? Because wasn't Scent of a Woman like 91? I think it's like 92. Like that. So he's like not yet approached full on hoo He isn't fully approached hoo face. No. But he's getting up there. He's getting close. He's getting close. He's hanging on. I think Godfather Part 3 is like 1990. And it's he's like, just like, when you I know what? Out, they pull me Goodbye, back Goodbye, cruel in. world. I'm Goodbye. going off the edge. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. It's interesting. I mean, you, you're bringing some pedigree there. Uh, Nick Nolte turned it down. And that's oh, someone I'm like, oh, I'm getting that. If you're like, that makes a lot of sense as you're, far you're as like, like the movie that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're like cave, you want like a guy where you're like you 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 could really see that you were descended from cavemen. Like this yes. is when you're like, oh, this is where we came from. And I'm seeing I'm seeing like in your skull is like somewhere in between. You know, you're like giving a throwback to Cro Magnum. Kind exactly, of, kind exactly. Of. Um, which I just watched him and um the the movie Affliction from the '90s. And though I think wasn't crazy about the film, he is amazing in it him and james coburn mm-hmm. they were both nominated for oscars and james coburn won but nick nolte it's also amazing father-son casting you're like were they not act were they not father-son because they yes. are exactly alike in the film it's kind of mind-blowing it also makes me think that james coburn was like also in the dirty dozen i think like, oh wasn't he or that they, sounds right i they, think so he certainly did some film with um charles, charles bronson, bronson. Yeah. It, maybe it was um the Seven Samurai uh, American Remake. Oh, Magnificent Seven. Thank you. Yeah, that, that might have actually been the one. Oh, maybe it was together. that. Maybe they were I could, I could be mixing him up with Lee Marvin. Uh, they have a similar-ish energy, James Coburn and Lee Marvin, to me. Oh, ish. I, was ish. About, I thought you meant Charles Bronson. No, I was no, like, no, no. I disagree. <laughs> you um, do? Um, yeah, but I kind of I kind of like Nick, Nick Nolte as this. Yeah, I yeah. could see that. I could see that. Don Johnson was offered the part, but he had just signed a new deal with Miami Vice, which made him the highest paid actor on TV at the time. And was not able to take the movie because it was like, well, you are stuck here for the next yeah. few years. I don't even know what he looks like. You sure do because he's in Knives Out. He's Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. Oh, love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it only takes one, listener. <laughs> one film for Amy Jo to have seen someone in. And then it's like, I, I, I couldn't tell you. No idea who he is. 
He was in Knives Out. Oh. Love. Well, he's wonderful in that. Or if I found if he was in like an episode of like Murder She Wrote or something, oh, yeah, then you'd sure. be like, but oh, also this like guy. having seen Knives Out, totally believe that guy marital problems. I mean, as we that saw in Knives Out, these guys marital problems. Oh, I mean, tell me about it. Come on, bit of a um, cat, a bit of a cat. Uh, but I could see that. Yeah, I could yeah, see yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, similar. I mean, like at the time, it was bananas for people to be like you're putting the guy from moonlighting you think this is gonna yeah. be a hit your hit action movie starring well, this tv actor tom one hanks flop? doing movies was a real hilarious idea that's true look at that guy now he did okay oh yeah what happened what happened that tom hanks i think he won a couple oscars oh, jeff did he? Did i'm surprised he? you wow. don't know you being the movie guy I'd, i've listened i'm shocked this is the first time hearing about this i i last checked in with him somewhere around joe versus the volcano and then i stopped <laughs> paying attention to what, where his career went which is really charming actually upon going <laughs> oh back really looking at it it's oh, really, okay. have you not seen it i've only seen bits and pieces oh, i've seen like actually 15 really, minutes if you're it. approaching it from the lens of like knowing that it's like quite yeah. a whimsical journey mm, it is okay. it is not this fiasco <laughs> it's a delightful time oh, i recommend sure. okay oh you you've heard it here recommend we're recommending joe versus the volcano you on know this just week's watch episode. it knowing it is not meant to be like a literal <laughs> it's it's much more he's not literally sucker. gonna fight this volcano no, but it's like hug sucker proxy type <laughs> All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Sucker Proxy. Love Sucker Proxy. It's not like that stylized, but I think right. if you think of it as being more heightened. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. It, it is like, oh. Cool. I hear that. Uh, James Kahn was off for the role. Jimmy. Old Jimmy Kahn. Uh, instead, in 1988, he was doing this movie I'd never heard of called Alien Nation, where he plays a cop who has to team up with an alien, played by Mandy Patinkin, named Sam Francisco. I've just heard so many things. And my ears are confused. Alien Nation. Alien Nation. I don't know, listener. Mandy Mandy. Patinkin as an alien named Sam Francisco. I don't know if all the aliens are named after, like have cutesy names named after cities. I feel as though this was like a a drug-fueled binge idea. My name's Ned Jersey. (laughs) Yikes. Yikes. Um, I don't know. Well, I I didn't see it. You know, nor did I. It might be good. It might be like one of those like small like it cult might be, films Jeff. that are it like, oh, this weird be. like mishmash of sci-fi and buddy cop movies. I don't know. But he was busy doing that. And I'll just, there, there, there's not a, you know, five films in the Alien Nation franchise. So I feel like Die Hard would have been a better pick. Probably. Um, and I could also, I could see, you know, I could see James Caan in that. Just thinking of him and Godfather, him as Sonny. Running around, <laughs> James Conn and uh, Godfather running around with that uh, tank, you know, tank top. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can see that. Uh, Mel Gibson turned it down. Yeah, once we which, started talking you know, about I mean, Last of the Mohicans and stuff, and I was like thinking about all those like '90s like mm, Harry Blockbusters. I was like, oh, yeah, that guy that I've chosen not to think about. <laughs> I know. I mean, Last of the Mohicans. Get Dan- imagine if Daniel Day Lewis was like, yeah. He I'll would never. I know. He would never. But what He's if like, he did? I'm a prestige but what guy. if he did? I mean, I'd rather he think did, of Hans he did. Gruber. I mean, he... Ooh, now we yes. are talking. Now, when we get to villain casting, baby, I'm ready. Ooh, I like I'm that. I'm always thinking lo- about villains. <laughs> you sure are. <laughs> Richard Dean Anderson turned it down, who everyone knows best as MacGyver. Oh. Which you, Amy Joe, said I in did. the film as he was using his gun to lower himself into Through the, the vents. Sh- you're like, oh, well, he's a real MacGyver. And I was Except like, just like that, listener. He's a real well, MacGyver. He's a real MacGyver. <laughs> I think I was like, yeah, this guy's a real MacGyver. Just, uh... I'm sorry. Yes, it was exactly like that instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah this guy's a real MacGyver yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tom Berenger 
was considered, who I know you once again from like one film, uh, from Inception. He's Browning. He's the guy that oh, Tom Hardy becomes yes. in the film. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, he's also in Platoon. He's in um, oh movies I have seen, but oh, lo- long time, ago. long time ago. And I have not seen Platoon, but he's like apparently some real hard ass. He's like a real who isn't a whole leader of the guys. I don't know. Him and Willem Dafoe were the two that got Oscar nominations, if memory serves. Um, and I remembered it being like, Willem Dafoe is actually playing a real nice guy, opposed to how he usually plays a real evil guy. And Tom Badger is playing a real bad guy. And he normally plays a nice guy. What an amazing use of these two actors' talent. Acting. Who knew they could do it? Who knew that they could do more than one thing, people? called acting um which once again it's a real like oh yeah hard ass type guy it's like i get of this energy of that they're mm-hmm. kind of go, going for like yeah quippy new jersey energy robert de niro turned it down huh i know i'm actually not mad about that i mean I, yeah you know like that kind of makes some sense to me what if this was instead of heat if this was the big first team up with de niro as john mcclain and al pacino as hans gruber hey because I feel like that's how you'd have to do it with the two of them. You or or maybe De Niro, maybe De Niro as as the Groobs, as the Groobs, and Al Pacino as John McClane. Maybe that. I don't know. I don't know if who's better doing the slu- You know, who's better doing the the white collar, the buttoned up villain, and who's better doing like the blue collar. Well, we've done work a, an episode on Devil's Advocate. We know, man, if anyone can sell high class lawyer, it, <laughs> it is Pacino. Is. Oh, okay. I don't know where you're going with that. I thought it would might be. I didn't know where I was going with that either, frankly. I don't think I did. This is a good idea. I like this. Casting Kurt Russell was considered. And that to me, you're like, yep. Okay. That's yeah. someone who I think, yeah. Yes. Everything that I want option. from John McClane of this, the yeah, the, the guy coming in. Uh, I got problems with my wife. Not Kurt Russell, though. Him and Goldie Hawn going strong so many years later. There's some mm-hmm. new, I don't know, probably People magazine that they're like on the cover of just being like the secret to our love. Like, because they, they never got married. They're just like, the trick is like, you just have to love each other. You just you have just to really have to. want to be together. And that's what keeps you and together. And maybe be kind to and each maybe, other. Maybe be kind to your, your, your partners, listeners. Be kind to, just be kind in general because this year is terrible. Just be kind, please. Please. Be kind to me. <laughs> Be nice to Jeff, please. Um, but yeah, Kurt Russell, I think, would be rad in this. I would that's love, great. love, love to see that's this. That's great casting. Uh, Michael Madsen apparently turned it down. Oh, that's interesting because now I'm thinking that guy should be one of the the terrorist henchmen. Interesting. I mean, they're so like you're they're a such a long are, haired and like I get. Over, well, really. this is true. This is true. But he is yeah. But I get. He it. actually he does would feel be like... great maybe as like Ellis. As the as Coke maybe boy. I mean that's the thing Michael Madsen is such to me such New York type energy mm-hmm. he does really feel like the poor man's Bruce Willis in a lot of ways mm. um, in terms of like I so see just thinking of like Thelma Louise I'm like oh actually Bruce Willis would have been not too shabby in that role because right, right. I do think he just brings a better degree of acting quality sure. to a similar ish kind of thing that Michael Madsen does um, as Ella yeah I just think he's too. He's just to me so like New York blue collar for like that Ellis. I mean, there's your like maybe Bill Pullman as as Ellis or not not even no. Bill Pullman. Like I'm trying to think of like who's like the real like twitchy, charactery, coke coke guy acting. Coke, guy. coke boy. Coke boy. Coke boy. That's right. Coke boy. <laughs> uh, Harrison Ford turned down John McClane. Oh, okay, I can see that. Which but I see also, it. I feel like we we've, we've seen him do the lighter ver- variation on this, and you know, I feel like yeah. We we've we've gotten kind of Harrison Ford's version of this film from like The Fugitive and and totally. he, you know he's also Indiana Jones like we've seen I the know. action yeah. kind of 
Yeah, that feels, and that's, yeah, it doesn't, I get it, but I don't like, I don't think it fits him as well as some of these other choices, mm -hmm. uh, or as Bruce Willis. Uh, and finally, John Travolta was considered, but 20th Century Fox would not allow it because Travolta was considered a has-been at that time. Uh, and Box office poison. I know, he would go on to work with Bruce Willis the next year and look who's talking. Well, 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 there you go. Yeah. Wow. And of course, Pulp Fiction. I was going to say, I thought you were going to be like talking about Pulp Fiction. You're like, nope, nope. <laughs> I, and eventually Pulp Fiction. So they would work together. But like, I, I get it though, in terms of you're like a more regular guy. New York. But yeah, energy, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, yeah. you know, we, we make fun of Trolls a bit on the show. But he's uh, great. He's he very is. good. He, when, he's, when he's good, he is legit. I actually, now that I'm thinking incredible. about it, I do think he also is great with quips and one liners. It's you know, true. I feel like he would have done, it would be, a, it would be very different but it also would be i think in it would still have the same kind of dna i agree you know? i agree i yeah now that we're talking about it i kind of like this casting more and more mm -hmm. uh travolts um but that was it for john mcclain so let's move on to sergeant al powell aka old al pal and joe your thoughts on old reginald vel johnson and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else i think he's wonderful so it's good. a beautiful performance it's you know it's very simple he's not like yeah goosing any of it or like you know that that whole speech about him I shot a kid like it's just it's it's clearly like a long time in the past and yet very immediate but he's not like let me live this moment like because that's also like bruce willis's moment to be like i think i'm yeah. dying and i'm right, falling apart right. you know um i think it's it's just really uh well done i like him a lot and that moment where where bruce willis comes out and they like see one another and they've only heard one another but it's so beautiful I, the score becomes like the the clouds have parted yes. and a chorus of angels are singing as like people the, the seas moving. part revealing him it's really it's like this is so much more touching than him reuniting with his wife oh so much more <laughs> which i mean like that's the relationship that is built over the course of this of course you know? right and but it yeah gets it's them both through be oh, it's really. beautiful it's really really yeah, good it's really lovely yeah. so i i love him i think it's wonderful i'm so thrilled to hear that because of this performance we had family matters yeah. we love it um good old carl winslow carl Winslow. Yeah, I don't have a, a lot of other options. Someone, a lot of the problem was a lot of the guys that I was thinking of definitely feel it would have been like a Peter Falk and Columbo situation where you're like, this is an LA cop. This guy sounds like he's from Brooklyn. Uh, you know? Okay. Um. So, because my first thought, I was like, oh, Peter Falk, <laughs> Columbo. Um. Uh, well, one more thing. That, that's what he's saying to the to the Seven Eleven clerk when he's like, oh, I got one more. Thing. Uh, well, just, oh, one just, more uh, just one more twinkie. One more twinkie. One more twinkie. One more thing. <laughs> Um, uh, I thought Chaz Palminteri, um, is an interesting, yeah. like he felt to uh -huh. me kind of in between the Bruce Willis role and like a young Chaz Palminteri. He's such a character yeah, yeah. actor that I was like, I don't know that he would really like be in that lead role. It's, he seems more like Hollywood is more likely to cast him in a more of a supporting role, but I think he's a wonderful actor. And oh, I think yeah. that that would, that would be, I mean, he's, he's very New York, so it's not, it's this not. This is true great um with regards to that energetically eh. but yeah eh. um <laughs> and then i don't know just thinking of like other like contemporary actors because obviously like samuel uh l jackson would go on to be in the was it the third one 
Yes. With him, which is, this is true. a beautiful use of Samuel L. Samuel L. Jackson. He's so good in that. But yeah. yeah, you get him. I was like, get you him, get him in this. this but I was like, what if we instead went with like Carl Weathers, who, you know, just thinking yeah. about Predator, too. Oh, you my know, God. I was oh, like, oh, that feels love, like an excellent use love, of Carl Weathers uh, as well. Oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, I love that. Uh, I, I didn't really have anyone else because I think he's just so good. It's it hard. It's hard coming iconic. up. Is that Kanik? Um, but yeah, the casting director, Jackie Birch, is the one who pushed for Vel Johnson because she cast him in this a supporting role in this 80s movie called Plain Clothes about a cop going undercover in a high school. Uh, he is not the cop that goes undercover in the high school. It's this uh, Arliss Howard, this actor. Hmm. Uh, it, it sounds very, it's pretty much 21 Jump Street before 21 Jump Street. But uh, he had a small role in that. And she was like, no, this is your guy. This is your guy, Al Powell. Yeah, I love when you hear stories about casting really pushing for someone because I do yeah. think there are some casting directors who are garbage who are out there for like because they enjoy having power over other people but there are so many people in casting that i've met who love like creating art and who want the project to be excellent and love being the connector it's going to bring who's going to solve the problem and is going to bring the director to the person that they don't know that they want yet like i find it so exciting when when you have a casting director that's like trust me i know the guy pushing someone who like does not have a lot of screen credits and yeah this was his first like big movie role uh in a film this big uh i mean really yeah. it still is yeah. i mean that's really this was this, this and family matters as as were, like the two goes, yeah. big things he's got like a very small role in uh in ghostbusters actually but mm-hmm. um which i forgot until looking back up i was like oh right because i haven't seen ghostbusters in forever um but it's nowhere near like this um which is such a great like meaty role mm-hmm. but yeah so i have some quotes from him because there's a little uh oral 30 i think 30 year oral history of die hard mm-hmm. from uh two years ago so, because uh, he's just, they were asking like all these like actory questions, and he was like, I, "I, this is my first big role. I was just doing whatever John McTiernan like said. I was just trying to like do a good job." He was like, "We were just trying to get it done, man." He was just doing his job, and I was doing mine. Uh, and now talking about Bruce Willis, he's like, "I never really had the chance to speak to anybody or build camaraderie with anyone except Alan Rickman. He was oh. a very nice guy. We would always talk and have a nice time during filming. He was an interesting fellow. I enjoyed working with him. God bless him." Uh, and he also said, "He's like." Because they asked, like, what are you, you know, what are you most proud of? And he's like, I'm most proud of the movie itself. I enjoyed working on a project that became a classic. I didn't realize what kind of a classic it would be while I was doing it. And working with the director, working with Bruce and Bonnie. Bonnie was a sweetheart. I just remember the experience of putting it all together. I go back sometimes and look at Nakatomi and wave to it as I pass by, which I thought was the cutest thing. Um, Because well, yeah, is... all his stuff was standing in front of that building. I know. I know. Which I just love. I love. Uh, so right off the bat, Robert Duvall. <laughs> was Bob considered Duvall. old bob Duvall, which i'm like how big which i don't know if like because they you know they beefed up these other roles and they're like oh we got to kind of film something while bruce mm-hmm. is sleeping or film and moonlighting so i don't know of how much it was like maybe this role was supposed to be like that felt that much bigger until they started giving more stuff to Dwayne t robinson until like the newscaster until like the fbi agents mm-hmm. and maybe i don't know i mean it's still it's a big role but it feels like right. academy award winner robert Duvall big I don't is know. Interesting. What else was Bob Duvall doing in '88? Um, I don't, I don't have anything down, so I don't think he was doing anything in '88. But just in terms of like the no, level of, of to be like fourth build yeah. in a in a film, especially when you're like, and it's led by the guy from well, the TV show and Alan Rickman, 
where this was his Introducing. first. This, that's just the kind of thing, though, that um, when you are negotiating a contract with an agent, if Robert Duvall is playing this yeah. part, he's not fourth build. Just because, like, that's, that's the true. size of the part? No, no, no. It's or, Bruce or, Willis or you, or, you know, You know what it is? It's You're doing your Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Bonnie Bedelia, and Robert Duvall as Al Powell. He's, he's, get, sure. he's getting, like, the, the little end he's getting, credit. Yeah, he's yeah. getting some kind of billing that, that gives you more oomph. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of just as a character itself, I, I can see it. I can see Robert Duvall sure, as a cop. Sure, he's an excellent where, actor. Um, I mean, it feels a lot more of like less like, oh, they got you working a desk and more of like, oh, they still have you working? When yeah. will they let you retire? You are Haven't old, you earned sir. Pension? Have you looked at yourself? Well, 88, I mean, Godfather was not like, the, he he wasn't like decrepit by the Godfather. <laughs> no, he's not decrepit, but he's still like. He's still making movies occasionally. Oh, well, yes, true. True, true, true. I still think by 88, Robert Duvall is still a very different feel than Reginald Vell Johnson, who was like true. late 30s. Absolutely. He's not probably having his first child with his wife. Yeah, if they I, are. He's, if having they, his, he's having his first grandchild. He's having his first child with his new wife. Ooh, there know? you go. That's um, bad. Maybe. And then it becomes like, yeah, John, don't. Don't end up like me. Don't end up like Don't like me. end up like me, Bobby Duval. Uh, oh, that sound means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guy. Who is it? Who is it? The Who way is it? it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Al Powell. Oh, Al Powell, and one was not. And Amy Joyce to guess which is which. Your options are Lawrence Fishburne, Gene Hackman, and John Goodman. I'm going to go Lawrence Fishburne. I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Lawrence oh, Fishburne was considered. That's lovely. Old uh, Cowboy Larry. Um, at this point in time, wasn't he on Pee-wee's Playhouse? Um, I believe so. I forget when exactly Pee-wee's Playhouse started, but I think it, I think it was like late 80s into early 90s. So he was full-blown Cowboy That's great. Cowboy I Larry. think he'd be wonderful in this part. That's absolutely. absolutely okay. yeah. So I'm choosing between Gene Hackman and John Goodman. John Goodman. I can really see either one being an, an obvious choice for these folks. I'm going to go John Goodman. That is correct. As far as I can tell, John Goodman was not considered. But I think early in his career, John Goodman yeah. would also do well, we just a really beautiful job. Well, we just saw play a cop and Chud for we, two lines. We sure did. Listener, I really, I've really been, between Predator and Chud, I've really been... Make Amy Joe watch some garbage. 80s garbage. I mean, Predator is a little better made than Chud. Just a bit. Oh, oh, you <laughs> Well, I'm just saying they're not the same level of garbage. No, no, no. <laughs> Chud, Chud is feels like a few steps above a student film, you know. And as you said, it will forever change how you look at uh, Peter McAllister in Home Alone. I, I can't. I, we watched Home Alone the other night and like... I couldn't look at John Hurd this same. Like, listener, John John Hurd is in this dumb, this 80s, like, it's horror I can't, film of, like, monsters that live under the New York sewers. And Daniel Stern is in Daniel it, Stern too. Daniel Stern is in it. But, like, Daniel Stern's playing a weirdo in both movies. True. So, like, I'm like, yeah, he's just a, even a little dirtier in Chud than he is yeah. as Marv. <laughs> That's fine. But, like, John Hurd, I was just like, oh, you're, you're gross. gross. <laughs> Not he, gross like, oh, you don't shower. Gross like, ew, I hate you. He's dressed I don't know if so I've ever poorly. seen someone dressed worse than a, worse in a film than he's dressed in. Just in like Chuck. they did not flatter his frame. No, no, no. They made it's a lot of like baggy, soft. sleeveless sweatshirts. He's a fashion photographer, which is shorts. hilarious. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's not great. So I de- yeah, I definitely have. <laughs> I struggle now watching Home Alone. I go oof, ugh, ah, this guy. 
this guy. Um, but John Goodman, also a very, very teeny tiny role in that show. In a diner, as a cop, uh, two yes, lines. He's great. You're um, like that guy. Right. I think it'd be great. But he was not actually considered. But Gene Hackman was, which is He's also, played a lot of cops, you know? It's true. But also, it feels, uh, Gene Hackman, to me, is even feels bigger than Robert Duvall. Yeah. I think so. Um, has, he, has he won Oscars? Gene Hackman won for The French Connection in the say, 70s. Like and then he won again for Unforgiven in uh, 90 or 91. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he's got those two. Robert Duvall, I think, won for Tender Mercies? It's it's it... Regardless, they both, they're coming to it with an Oscar. And it feels... Yeah. I mean, just... it sounds like they adapted so much as they yeah. went that you're, you're, with either of those, you're having the relationship be less like two guys who are both kind of like vet cops, but like in their early... Yeah. mid 30s and yeah. instead you're having like grizzled cop who needs to be like i need to be shaken out of my complacency i, I just think it would be comical having paul gleason the like principal from breakfast club as Dwayne t robinson coming in bought trying to boss around like oh hey gene hackman you could feel free to go home whenever it's like oh, you couldn't people... drag me away but just to be like yeah gene hackman is like this desk cop you know i could see gene hackman actually as dwight t robinson if you if that role was more beefed up as like the hard ass that's like now i'm the one running this and running it terribly i could see it's still like it just feels all too way too small roles to get gene hackman and yeah you're right maybe al pal would just be even more beefed up or like i I don't i don't know it's it's really interesting to me he's he's a really wonderful actor though so i would i would buy the dynamic sure sure. um let's keep it going with holly so amy joe your thoughts on bonnie bedelia and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else first of all in doing slight research on her Mm -hmm. um i found out her birth name is bonnie bedelia culkin you blew my mind when you told me this kit culkin's sister kit culkin who is of course the father of macaulay uh kiernan and uh, kiernan oh my gosh and uh and rory and rory wow and like so she is macaulay culkin's aunt which yeah blew my ever loving (laughs) mind and i was like what culkin there's a lot of showbiz culkins out there i mean we could do a switcheroo where you've got bonnie bedelia being like oh yeah let me do a movie with uh with with my with my nephew uh macaulay and with uh kieran so i'm gonna do home alone i'm gonna play uh the mom in home alone and uh and you Catherine get Catherine in die that's Hard. great here's the thing i think she does a really really lovely job like yeah um she's she has backbone she like i think she's a really uh, solid actor in this part it, it wasn't until watching it this time that i was like she has like nothing to do but that's the thing yeah i'm like you have a really good actor and you've written an interesting character yeah but it she feels doesn't... like she, i know but it feels like she does so much more than she actually does in it's the film. true and and it i'm wondering if you have a bigger name in this part who is like yeah. you're not gonna write me out of this movie like i thought sigourney in this part like sure. just she's like look you know we got together when i was very young and <laughs> i still love you but i right, have like right. aspirations and i am gonna go like do what I gotta do because I'm like I'm I'm a mover and a shaker you know I think if you have someone like Sigourney you're not giving her nothing to do I know she has to then be like helping John like somehow and then which is also that's an interesting movie if it's then like the two of them having like marital strife but having to work together to take Uh, down all these terrorists and uh, so at the end violence to get both of them murdering all these people is what brings them back together (laughs) and now they're just a lovely little murder couple that's love Um, love right there but that I think is even if it's whatever halfway through halfway through it's like he gets Holly back and like okay but we've got to it's like we got to save everyone else um 
I think would actually be, I mean, it is a, it's Die Hard. I think it's a perfect film, but yes. I'd be very interested because they lose her by that third one. Because she's, she's also in Die Hard 2, Bonnie Medelia. Mm-hmm. But then by the third one, they got, they've gotten divorced. So they're like, cool, oh. great. <laughs> you hear her like on the phone that's not even her, just like, like John, you asshole. It's like real like, wow, 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 wow bitter, dirty. I know. Oh, I'm glad they got Theo back for this dumb battery commercial. Mm -hmm. But what if instead Bonnie Bedelia out for revenge? (gasps) Holly is fully blown to like, oh, it's Gennaro, John. (laughs) It's no, it's now. Oh, it's, it's, it's no longer Gennaro. It's Holly Gruber. She marries in, she marries into a third brother. The third, the one who, who would be the natural brother of Alan Rickman and Jeremy Irons. Mads Mikkelsen. Yes, she marries Mads Mikkelsen. She's Holly Gruber. <laughs> it's preposterous and makes no sense, and yet makes I'm a sense. fan. Uh, as am I. As am I. Oh yeah, I feel like it's either Mads Mikkelsen or Ray Fiennes. You would get if you wanted to like the. Sure, they, they, sure. We were triplets. <laughs> we are triplets. We all have played foreign. <laughs> You believe it. You believe it. Um, yeah. So I thought Sigourney, I, th- I know that part of that is just like the, having seen her play business people and also yeah. the hair. Um, the hair. Um, another thought, another 80s um, actress that I adore is Jo Beth Williams. Jo Beth. Who I think would be great in this. Sure. I love Jo Beth. Um, Jo Beth. She's great. And then also this. Oh. Sorry, you, sorry, you saying that. I was like, also is Al Pal Craig T. Nelson. I think oh. is a I could I could see if you're going more in that like Gene Hackman, Robert Duvall, but as someone who's like not yeah, young, as, yeah younger, but you still and, want someone who's like yeah, kind of more of not as well known. He's still he's coach. I, totally, that works. I think I'm sorry, but I interrupted. Please um, continue. Another actor who is the same age as uh, Ms. Bedelia <laughs> is Felicia Rashad, who I'm sure was Ooh. knee deep in the Cosby Show sure, at sure, this sure, point. Right. But like yeah, I'm just thinking like who's someone who's got like like spine and warmth like because that's really what you need you're like i need someone that i like totally believe is like out there wheeling and dealing but also like has deep love for her kids and this like troubled marriage and Mm. she's not just like rawr you you john she's no rawr 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 but she's also she's no pushover which i love i mean that exactly i think it's a great scene like their whole scene together in the the bathroom in the beginning yeah i think it's so well done turns you know when he like sees the generic i think it's yeah it's really really well done i think they're both fantastic in it yeah i think it's really good yeah i was i was very similarly i was just trying to think of pretty much women of a similar ilk i was like give me like it's 1988 francis mcdormand or like holly hunter mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. made later like amy ryan these are all we kind of feel like very similar like yeah. energies of like yeah no you're not you gotta work to push this person around um that yeah like you're like but you also believe she leads with compassion absolutely 100 i don't and i mean like is a leader who yeah. uses compassion as one of her, like, totally. you know, her I would, tools. Yeah, I was sad that I don't really, is pretty much almost exclusively what I know Bonnie Bedelia from. Uh, she was apparently on Parenthood, speaking of uh, oh. Craig T. Nelson. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why he also came to mind. For, for She was on that for, like, the entirety. Uh, so for, like, hundreds of episodes. And I was like, that's recent enough where I was like, oh, okay, that's what you have been up to lately. But it's like, mainly this and this Harrison Ford movie, Presumed Innocent, that she's his wife and... 
I like to think when an actor disappears for a while, it's because they yeah. chose to go have like a life yeah. and maybe like a family, or yeah. and not just because they struggled to work and and I agree and left the business in in a state of I know sadness. It, could, it could easily it be could that be it could be that she yeah had a family and was like great now my kids are grown I want to get back into TV let me go do Parenthood for a hundred something episodes and go make a bunch of TV money yes. and if so love it that's great I just think it's because she I think she's really good in this and I wish and she's in stuff that I just haven't seen but I yeah. wish she was in the stuff oh. that I have seen <laughs> um, yeah but she so she was in this movie in 1983 called Heart Like a Wheel which she plays this woman determined to be a drag racer, even though it's like, well, women can't be drag racers. Uh, and Bruce Willis loved her in that film, mm. loved that movie, loved her in it. And he's the one that personally recommended to get her to play Holly, which I think is rad. It's like, good on you. Good on you, Bruce. Mm-hmm. That's real cool. So in an article for the 30th anniversary of Die Hard, Bonnie Bedelia stated that the first thing she thinks of when someone mentions Die Hard is Alan Rickman. Oh. The two became friends and had lunch together every day while shooting the movie. Well, they also had like multiple scenes together. This is true. Too, you know? That is the thing that I do think it's harder in terms of like, not that all these people are being like, yeah, Bruce was very standoffish. But, I mean, but he's, he's bare- literally he's in a different by location himself. from true. everyone else. This is very Doing true. stuff over a walkie-talkie totally, and then occasionally totally. doing an extended fight scene. I know. But I love that. Just the idea of like, all right, in between like setups of just Alan Rickman and Bonnie Bedelia. Just like of him just being like, oh, it's my first do, movie. Do, do you think I'm doing a good job? Oh, this is my first movie. <laughs> Rada didn't favor films. <laughs> but here I am breaking into Hollywood. But for Holly, uh, right off the bat, Kirstie Alley was considered, but couldn't Mm. work around her Cheers schedule. Also in Look Who's Talking the next year with old Bruce Willie and Travolta. Yeah, I mean... Knowing what no. we know about Kirstie Alley. I agree. I'm but glad even, he doesn't sully this I know, movie but even just me. knowing Cheers, I'm just like, this doesn't seem like the kind of... Even just I knowing can't... her from what I most know her from, can you guess? Oh, uh, What? It takes two. Oh, it takes two. I was like, wait, the parent trap? I was like, no, no, she wasn't in that Lindsay Lohan parent trap. That was somebody else. Um, but right, it takes two, of it course. Takes two how did Steve I forget Gutenberg that? And the Olsen how did parents. I forget that when I had when I wrote a paper on it for school? I don't know. You clearly didn't like, you know, it didn't get into your guts. I forget what episode. It was something with Steve Gutenberg. Something with the Goots. We were talking, I was talking about, about that. And Michael Keaton, maybe. Uh, I don't know. An ex. Uh, yeah, don't remember, listener. You know. Apologies. Uh, but in, if you have listened to that episode, yeah, I wrote a paper on the Olsen twins movie, It Takes Two. Because it was a paper, on, not on the movie, on the novelization. The right. movie novelization. Right. That 90s classic. Um, exactly. Like the 90s classic, It Takes Two. Uh, right. So Linda Hamilton was considered. But talk about someone oh. where I want to see them kicking some yes, ass. Yes, yes. Then you're kind of like, why did you, what? We were talking about this last night about like uh watching like broadway shows or like uh movie musicals where they have someone who's like well they won season such and such of so you think you can dance and then in the movie it's like oh you get a like uh eight bars of dance music and then you're done and it's like that person is is like one of our finest dancers working today and you're like not even going to show their whole body in the shot that's what that would feel like being like yeah that's why would you have? Why would you cast this person if you're just gonna make them sit next to a pregnant woman the whole time on on a sofa in in, in this fancy lobby? I know. Like in in that version, at least Linda Hamilton is like she's given birth, and I've got to deliver this baby. <laughs> <laughs> don't but worry, she's not due till the end of the night. Oh man, yeah, yeah, she's not due. Don't worry, she's not due for another couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> also up for Holly. Gina Davis. Oh, yes. The hair, the backbone, the warmth. I get yeah, it. I love yeah. it. 
And this was, as we discussed before, huge year for Gina Davis. This was 88. So she mm-hmm. had our previous episode, Beetlejuice. She had Earth Girls Are Easy and The Accidental Tourist, where she won that Oscar. She was too busy yeah. to be sitting on a couch, occasionally having lines exactly. with international treasure Alan Rickman. This is very true. Very true. That is the trade-off. It's like, well, I could win an Oscar or I could have lunch with Alan Rickman every, every day, day for weeks. I don't know what I don't know. I would pick Alan Rickman yeah. for <laughs> sure. Uh, you kidding? Yeah. No. I mean, I I get it. I get it. I mean, yeah, I'm greedy. <laughs> I I want affirmation I claim not to care about. Sure. But I I think ultimately what would I treasure at night? Thinking about, oh, remember when Alan said that thing to me? And, oh, we laughed. We laughed. We shared a pudding cup. (laughs) We shared a pudding cup. (laughs) Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was considered. Oh, see, all of these are people that because also they have more clout in the industry, you are not, you're giving them more to do probably. But I think Michelle Pfeiffer is a great choice. Very strong um, and and a lot of warmth. Totally. But yeah, yeah, it's just, and I mean, in in general with Bonnie Bedelia as well, it's like I just want her to have more, more to, do. to do again i think the, bonnie Bedelli did a wonderful job she's Same. really good because yep. i was initially thinking like as we started rewatching it i was like i wonder if you had like a more dynamic actress and blah blah, blah. i was like by the end i was like no 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 no. Yep. she's wonderful the, nothing that is is not popping here i feel totally. like is the yeah. fault of the performer i agree i agree talk about a dynamic actor jamie lee curtis oh was considered love great great choice yeah i mean then if you get you know you got don johnson as uh John McClane, then it's like the two of them in Knives Out. It's a reunion. The Knives Out becomes the Die Hard reunion. We never knew we wanted. (laughs) But Jamie Lee Curtis was instead, of course, 1988, doing Fish Called Wanda. So we can't risk losing out on that. No, that's such a Uh, performance. And I I forgot to mention, Michelle Pfeiffer in 88 was doing Dangerous Liaisons, getting her first Oscar nomination. Okay, so so good good for you guys. Good years for both of them. Ultimately, good choice not to do Die Hard. Much I think much more meatier roles for both of them in Fish yeah, Called Wanda and like, Dangerous Liaisons. Even if Die Hard is arguably the most successful of the three, those are right. all three very well-known uh, movies that, yeah, got them a lot of interest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And finally, Carrie Fisher was considered. Oh, great choice. Which I love. Great choice. Love, 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 love. Yeah. Uh, great. So let's finish up with hans gruber amy cho what are your thoughts on alan rickman and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else when i went and saw private lives on broadway listener apologies if i told the story before we waited because we were like i was like a freshman in college i think and my brother was in high school we waited at that stage door for 45 minutes for him and lindsey duncan to come out because we were just so excited and then we didn't even have him sign. no we had him sign our playlist we didn't even take a photo no we did take a photo there was something out there was like another thing that we were like, oh, we could have had him like sign something, but we were like, no, 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 we're, we're gonna be cool. Can you sign my face, Mr. Rickman? My face. But we were we were so nerdy, we like had him sign the thing and we're like, thank you for your work <laughs> is a thing that we said. I'm sure it was like, you adorable gentleman. Oh. <laughs> he was like, thank you. He was very gracious. But uh, anyway, he is just every every performance, even uh. when it's like, what is this movie? It's like Alan Rickman's delightful. Yeah. I love so, um, who do I have in here? Who do I have? I have Jeremy Irons, which I wrote down before of I course. like Same. was like, oh I wait, mean, yeah, he plays well, the brother. Like, yeah. it's a natural. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I also have John Malkovich okay. <laughs> as like a, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's definitely a campier choice. Ho ho ho! Now I have a machine gun. Ah! Um, uh, 
but like you know he's he's a wonderful actor for a now he's only 10 years younger than alan rickman so like this actually doesn't even have to be that much of a that much into the future but mm-hmm. christoph waltz well, why not get I mean, like an actual german who yeah. plays villains all the time <laughs> oh sure an oscar-winning yeah. villain another one who like although he'd of course been making films in germany, in germany but yeah. uh yeah but like what a debut Just a ho- what a hollywood debut with him and inglorious bastards Absolutely. i mean incredible love it i then thought uh someone who's the same age as rickman i believe is john noble from lord of the, I oh, from lord of the rings yeah. but like he's so creepy and awful in in lord of the rings but like what a what a fine character oh, actor. Sure, like yeah. Someone someone Gr- like that who just like great voice. Great, great voice, which you absolutely need when a need lot of it's gonna feeling. be over a walkie-talkie, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and and like, yeah, just wonderful with text. Um, and then I also thought, um, if it's done today, I want Jodie Comer. That's I dig that. Old Villanelle herself. Villanelle herself. Eve. Yeah. Just yeah. always playing like uh, where exactly in Europe are you from? Like yeah. that's that's <laughs> Jodie Comer. And oh man, I'd love to see her as like a, a like running an elegant uh, heist. Ooh. Like El- ooh, also on. elegant heist is just a movie that I'd like to see. Yes, that's. I want an elegant heist film. Might as well call it elegant heist. They'll go like, I know what I'm getting. Yeah, I'm getting an elegant heist. That's what I want. Deliver, please. And I just want about a bunch of like elegant, perform- a bunch of elegant ladies doing a kick-ass and, heist. And you will be shocked to hear after how much I loved Ocean's 12 that I didn't see Ocean's 8, even though I loved many of those elegant heisters. Oof. I guess that is an elegant heist. Kate Blanchett, Sarah Paulson. So, but it's and- part of the Oceans series. So how elegant is it? Well. I don't know because I didn't see it. I, I considered seeing it. And then I, I found out too. James Corden has a very large role. And you know what I don't want in my movie? <laughs> James Corden in a large That tells me it's probably not role. an elegant heist if, if James Corden is. And, and James Corden is excellent at what he does. But and being an elegant heister. I, I think he's like, I'm the guy, the cop trying to figure it out. Maybe. I don't know because I didn't see it, people. I'm sure you did see it. And you're like, that's not. He's not the cop trying to figure it out. He's whatever. The friendly parking attendant. <laughs> He's, Perfect. He, he's the driver. Casting. He's the Uber driver. And all eight of them pile on the car. And then they all sing carpool karaoke together. And it's we're like, it's just like on TV. Uh, and I go lose my mind. Uh, right. Yeah, he's, so, the, he's the getaway van driver. Exactly. exactly. We figured it out. We figured it out. Uh, yeah. I was like, give me some Willem Dafoe, maybe. Yes, sure. Give me, if this is made later, Javier Bardem. Always. I only want Javier Bardem playing my villains from here on out. <laughs> And uh, we lose her great performance in Dangerous Liaisons, but I was like, Glenn Close as Hans Gruber? Yes. As, what's whatever, a German, what's a German? Greta Gruber. Gruber. Greta? Greta Gruber. Greta Gruber. (laughs) Ooh, I want that. I want, because we just watched that, um, like, oh, was it Vanity Vanity Fair Fair or GQ? Yeah, the career, like, timeline retrospective. I've seen all these great roles that Glenn Close did, and I was like, Ooh, yeah, A, it made me hungry to do a rewatch of Damages, which I hadn't seen since it came out. So I started wa- rewatching that, the first three episodes. And I'm like, yep, she is so good in the show. Uh, and I was like, ooh, that's what I want. Her as maybe, like frosty German villain. Maybe we get Kate Blanchett. Get Kate Blanchett <sighs> in here. I mean, get, get me Tilda Swinton. Oh, get me Tilda. Get me Tilda. <laughs> With her ice crown from Deliver Chronicles of Narnia. in the box she slept in at the Met. <laughs> <laughs> or MoMA. I'm going to say the box MoMA. she slept in because she's a literal vampire. She's a literal piece of art. Oh, love, love that Tilda Swinton. But uh, yeah, those are my people. Um, those yeah. are my those people. Those are my, my people. They're my people. Uh, <laughs> Alan Rickman almost passed. 
on the oh, role. Man. Can you imagine? Well, he was very nervous. I mean, especially, but like on paper, you're like, this script is being like rewritten every sure. day on filming. So I wonder like in what place and it was. And I'm used to doing Shakespeare, which has I... been, th- those scripts have been frozen for 400 years. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, we're going to freeze the scripts. No, no more edits. And I know we're in previews of, uh, you know, the, the Richard III you're doing, Alan. But uh, I, I, I know you're learning pages and pages of new we're, lines every day. Every we swear day. we're going to freeze. Well, really, no more III, edits on Richard III. Are. Like, well, you more cuts, but there. you can't be adding lines. <laughs> you can't. Uh, you can talk no, to some directors. No. I'm aware of um, But yeah, he was like, I don't want to play a villain in an action movie. That Because, which rightfully so, he was worried that he would get typecast as yeah. villains. And he did a lot he of that. Did. But you're but also, also like, lean into what you're so good at, Alan. because he also just like is such such a fine actor that he he was able to play them with more nuance than most true people would yeah. and he's so good at it like, I, I mean come on like i guess you could say i get typecast as villains a lot but i don't i'm not like typecast as one particular type of you know it's it's something i'm like i'm really good at this i derive pleasure from it and i like to think that i bring like depth and nuance and that they are all different from one another which obviously i think alan rickman <laughs> does okay uh he sure does uh but yeah they were having trouble in casting this role mm. so in the spring of 1987 producer joe silver and director john mctiernan attended a performance of the play aka dangerous what became the film dangerous liaisons in which alan rickman played the evil valmont and they immediately were like, this is our Hans Gruber. Evil is, uh, it's all subjective. It is subjective. The not nice guy, Valmont. And then he, he has, is he has... a murky moral figure. He does a lot of really not nice things. You have very strong feelings about Lily. I love, you love the it. play yes. But anyway, and the he, film. he was doing it on Broadway with Lindsay Duncan. And uh, they, they saw Lindsay Duncan as Hans, as, as Greta Gruber. Lindsay Duncan in anything. True. She, great. Great. We love, love Lindsay Duncan. Duncan. Also um, saw her in Private Lives. That set, like, oh yeah, Alan Rickman and Lindsay Duncan. The, re- the reunion tour. And then I saw them and Fiona Shaw in a play at BAM in, oh, what wow. was that, like, probably like 2011. John Gabriel Borgman, I want to say, probably. Oh. And there was like like heaps of snow on stage. It was wow. Lo- oh, it was I, also snowing outside. I, I was never heard of this show. Oh, yeah. The three well, of them. Like, or production, at least. I never heard of that. Wow. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I had to get on a Lindsay bus Duncan back to Boston to go do a, Shaw. to do a show. Fiona and... Shaw as Greta Gruber. <gasps> yes. Fiona Shaw today on Speaking of Killing Eve. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so only one other actor, though, that I could find that was actually up for the role Sam Neill. Wow. I've been yeah. doing this a lot lately where I randomly mention someone in association <laughs> with nothing and then they come back up in the app. Uh, Sam which, Neill. Which this I, is 88, so he was doing a cry in the dark with Meryl. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Look, I love Sam Neill. Love that Sam I'm, Neill. I'm curious to hear him do a German accent, but then again, he does a very convincing American accent in Jurassic Park. That's so, very true. So yeah. I would I imagine if you can rein an Aussie accent in enough to do an American accent, you can do a, a German. And I feel like the Aussies already are like some of the best they I've really seen are. with accents. I mean, like, Nicole so Kidman Cape, aside. Well, sure, know. but Kate Blanchett and like these, you know, Tony Collette. Is Russell Tony Collette Crow. Australian? Russell Crowe. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. 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 I feel, I feel like there are... Well, maybe that's a stereotyping but i just feel like there's so many no i think that they're also because it's like it's such a it's a large country but it's such a small country to work in from an entertainment perspective that so many of them know like if they want to work 
Right. They like in a bigger way, they have to go to Hollywood and they have to be able to pass. Whereas Brits, you can also live and work in the UK and have a career. Yeah. And not that you can't in Australia, but it's just there's so much less work. Yeah. Ooh, just Hugo because... Weaving, you know. Oh, Hugo Weaving also would be a great Hans oh, Gruber. Oh, Hugo Weaving would be a great Hans Gruber. I was like, because you could just, I mean, I get, well, I guess I don't know what his German accent is like, but just uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, if this is like made today. Yes, yes, yes. Interests a... me very, very much so. Very, but very, very, Sam Neill, I'm kind of interested I love in. Sam I mean, Neill. Alan Rickman, it's, it's one of the greatest villain performances of all time. Of all time. Like, at least in a top Because it's top also like, five. he's so good at playing the suave thing, but he's also, he lets himself get rattled. He lets him, like, it's just. It's such a human performance, which oh, yeah. I think it'd be very easy for this to be like two notes is all. Yeah, I know? love all the little details. Him and Takagi, where it's like, whatever it is, like, the, oh, your suit it was our, oh, it's Armani. I've got two myself. It's mm-hmm. just like this, like those little details that he's like, oh, he just likes, I like all the finer things in life. When things are unraveling toward the end and he's got Holly and he turns to her, yeah. she's like, you're nothing more than a common thief. He goes... No, I'm an exceptional, I'm an exceptional thief, thief, Mrs. McLean. And since I'm about to add kidnapping, I'd suggest it, like whatever. <laughs> yes. But it's just so like, I'm shutting this down. I yeah. am still in control, even though I am losing control. But he's he's getting ruffled, which is fun. It's, it's great, great that he's like, yeah, it's great. And but that it's whole, ruffled yeah. in the very particular way that this guy gets ruffled. You know, he doesn't yeah. like fly off the handle. Ever. Right, it's right, great. right, right. No, it's so good. It's so good. I love it. I mean, it's Alan Rickman. Turns it's out the guy can act. Turns out that guy can act. Uh, but so those are all the characters that I found other casting options for. So before we move on, we're going to do a quick segment of Passing Chemistry. So let's assume, I guess, that Sam Neill is playing Gruber because he's the only one that was up for that. Uh, But if old Bruce Willie, Bonnie Bedelia, uh, old Amelia Bedelia herself, herself. (laughs) and Reginald Bell Johnson were not available, who of the actors considered do you think would have had the best on-screen chemistry? Or a walkie-talkie chemistry. The best walkie-talkie chemistry. It's a tough one. I kind of am leaning a bit towards John Travolta now that we went, once we talked it through. Mm-hmm. I think I still I gotta go with Kurt Russell. I think that's I think that's beautiful. what I want. Uh, and I think I do Kurt. I'm trying to think Kurt Russell of like who's the Holly that I want to Kurt Russell's John McClane. And I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Carrie Fisher. I I kind of like mm. that. I kind of like that. And I don't see Carrie Fisher in a ton. She wasn't. I didn't, you know, Star Wars notwithstanding, I wasn't seeing her pop up in a ton of films. Um, that were in my rotation, except, you know, Star Wars and When Harry Met Harry Sally. Sally. Yeah. Um, and for Al Powell, I got to go with old Larry, old Cowboy Larry, Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, I, I really like that. Okay. As much as I would, like, love to see, you know, Frank Sinatra and Kirstie <laughs> Alley in a movie together, I think I'm instead going to go. <laughs> that feels like someone having a fever dream being like, trying to remember the tony bennett lady gaga duet and being oh like who what am i thinking of why am i thinking frank sinatra and kirstie, kirstie alley like who was it it feels like mad libs um i am gonna go i'm gonna go with gina davis of course we love we love gina um i go with gina davis and I guess I'll go with Travolta if if you're right. if just to you keep it different. Go. Sure, I sure. I can do whatever I want. I you understand sure that. <laughs> but then for Al Powell, Al Powell, I'm gonna go. I'll go Gene Hackman. All right. I mean, even cool. though it's a smaller role, I feel yeah. like he would be wonderful in it. Oh. Logistics of contracts aside, true. I'll do that. True, true, true. So yeah. we have two different cats. And I think yeah, because if you're getting John Travolta. He's an actor that's coming to your movie that already has an Oscar nomination for Saturday Night Fever. Then he's someone that, even if he's got a down slump, he's still, like, been in – he's led big films. Yes. Opposed to casting a guy that, you know, 
is known for TV One for TV a successful show, yeah. TV show, but still, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Uh, so there are a few characters we didn't mention, so I want to briefly touch on them. Uh, you've got Paul Gleason as Dwayne T. Robinson, who, yeah, Breakfast Club is great. mainly, yeah, well, it's so obnoxious. Just, but you're, you're right. Like, Once he's forced into being the clown role, that I do, he's much more entertaining yes, today. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, it's William Atherton is the name of the guy, the the newscaster guy that's like oh. off the worst. He's also in the second one. He's like on the same plane as no. Bonnie Bedelia, I think, because they're like, Bruce Willis is on the ground at the airport, like trying to fight some terrorists. And she's like on a plane, like, oh, no. No, none of the planes can land, so we're flying around until our ga- we run out of until gas. Until we go to Gander. And right, and she's like, on, I think, on the same plane with this guy, but God, what a scumbag. He's also in Ghostbusters, and like he's a douche in that. That's, that's one of the storylines that I think adds the most reality to it, is just the press being completely underhand and actually like screwing up things for people's lives and safety for the sake of a scoop. Yeah. Like... That to so me is satisfying. One of the that feels, oh, well, when he gets when a big she, punch I didn't in the mention face that in the synopsis. Yeah, when she just punches him out. It's so good. Oh, did you get that? Did you get that? But it's so, it felt very accurate without having to overpaint him as super sleazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, he is, but he's not like, I'm just some like slime bucket. You're like, no, you're just, <laughs> I'm you're s- I'm just some slime bucket. Some slime bucket. <laughs> but his agenda is so like, oh God. It's very satisfying. And I think it is one of the aspects that really grounds that whole um, side of the film. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, you have James Shigeta as Mr. Takagi, who I think he makes a very strong impression with very does. limited screen time. Um, but yeah, I think he's great. I think he's great. Yeah. And and it's uh, Clarence Gilliard Jr. is the actor that plays uh, Theo, who we've talked a bit about. Great line readings. He's just... He's wonderful. Especially alongside Alan Rickman. I mean, that like, well, you didn't just bring me along for my sparkling personality. When the two of them have scenes together, it just feels like such an unlikely duo that like works so well together. Definitely. I love it. Yeah, it's delicious. So good. Uh, And Devereaux White is the actor that plays Argyle, who I think is very charming. He's very funny. I I love that. When he's cheersing the bear in the backseat. Oh, so silly. (laughs) So silly. Uh, now, if that was a real bear, just what what a film! The Adventures of Argyle and Bear and Bear Bond of them having like some driving around Argyle, a limo. Argyle sounds like a name for a stuffed bear, you know. It does. Argyle and Argyle. Maybe they named the bear Argyle. There's like a the cut scene driver. at the end. They get back to the house and Bruce will and they're seeing the kids and he's like, "I got this bear. His name's Argyle. His name's Argyle. Here's this bear. His name is Sergeant Al Powell. Yes. <laughs> it would have to be one of the two. They're not naming him Humps. This is, I got you a bear, Hans Gruber. I named him Hans after. Hans Gruber. Hop, Hans Gruber. Now I need a new stuffed animal, I think. Gruber. <laughs> Gruber. Hans Gruber. Well, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> uh, and finally, Hart Bachner, is, who's the guy that played Ellis, uh, was an acquaintance of producer Joel Silver. So apparently, McTiernan wanted his character to be suave like he wanted him, his direction to him was like like Cary Grant. So he's very different. So all the like the Coke boy energy yeah. was all him. Because oh. he, which John McTiernan was like not a fan of, but it was cracking Joel Silver up uh, and one of the, and a few of the other producers. So McTiernan was like, well, I guess this works. Um, but he said, he was like, I'm not, I'm a non-drug guy, but I observed a few friends on blow and thought, well, their energy levels are heightened. I told McTiernan <laughs> that the Coke aspect of the character it being christmas eve and he's by himself would fuel the insecurity or help mask his insecurity and create a false sense of bravado he said no 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 just play it straight just think Cary grant i said really okay 
And then I kept doing what I wanted to do. <laughs> he got more and more flustered with me until he had a conversation with Joel Silver, who was by the monitors. Joel was laughing and just said, leave him alone. So it was off to the races. Oh, my god! But, like, good. You very you could have gotten you fired, my guy. You fired immediately. I know. Worse with, like, Reginald Bell Johnson was like, oh, I, whatever he said, I was just like, I just want to do a good job. And but it like, works better because that character is a straight man, whereas, like, this, this character, like, coming in and true. being kind of like this slick i know just like gross that, that and also that it contrasts so nicely with takagi you've True. got this person yeah. who seems like genuinely yeah probably like a, a great boss yeah. and like a, we're, we're, part, we're having to work and do have a party on christmas eve aside that monstrosity <laughs> like he seems like a, a like probably a good human and i also get that by the way that like holly treats him like she seems very yeah. fond of him yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in in like a fatherly co-worker kind yeah. of way um but then this guy it feels like yeah yeah you would have that guy in the office and of course he's after holly like it creates an interesting dynamic which like not that that can't be there if he's being slick but if he's just this like disgusting version of I know. that i wonder if like i guess that the original idea would be more of like oh he's a legitimate threat to yeah you know to john well, for I her think he affections also represents a lot of what john is not mm, yeah and and like he could still be a, a threat you know like if she's gone further in that direction because he hasn't seen her in six months what does he know what she's really like yeah. and what she really wants and what she's willing to do to get where she wants to go you know oh well now we're into our other 88 movie working girl hey 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 she's go. got what is it she's got a mind for business and a body for, for sin, sin. Bad for sin. Bad for sin. Uh, great. So, final thoughts on Die Hard. Anything we haven't touched on? Any other characters? You also have like the, the FBI agents, um, Robert Davi and uh, Grand L. Bush, as they're credited as Big Johnson and Little Johnson. Of course they are. Man, were men involved in the making of this oh, film? Man. It sounds plausible. <laughs> um, I have two notes that I think are, are questions we should discuss. Great. One, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think machine guns are infinity bullets. <laughs> Was a thought, a question, an amusing that I had. I know at one point he does shove it aside, but it's not till the scene where he's like, break the glass. And I was like, that was a lot of bullets that got us well, to this did, point. Well, when he killed those two guys and he got the duffel bag with all like the... Oh, he had more... Okay. Maybe there's also ammo in there because there's actually got like the explosives and detonators. That's a good point. But he could have just been refilling when we weren't looking. <laughs> when, that when must we're, when be we're, what we're, we're with Al Pal and Look, Dwight. What, if I know anything from having played very little Goldeneye in my youth, <laughs> it's that if you want infinity bullets, you got to go with a laser. Oh. You know, otherwise you've got to reload. And well, that sometimes you're not very good at finding You didn't get them. a laser gun. That's you didn't get a, a laser. That's your problem, John. Then one other, this is a small thing? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? When they have a uh, captive hostage, hostage. What? Terrorist hostage, Thank hostage. You. Yes, yes, yes. When they have <laughs> that guy on. Why do they call it Helsinki syndrome instead they, of Stockholm syndrome? Couldn't get the rights. Couldn't get the you rights to get the Stockholm rights syndrome. To a world event. You gotta <laughs> I, call it Helsinki syndrome. Like, the guy, the other newscaster, could still be wrong about where Stockholm is. Yeah, he could just say, "Oh, Finland." You know about Stockholm instead of like saying that Helsinki's in Norway. You this know? is very true. Well, they could have said Stockholm was in Norway. Like, what's the? I just didn't understand why we couldn't. I just it yeah. it was confusing to me why they called it the Helsinki syndrome. And they they really draw even more attention to it by him 
misrememberings yeah. like ah helsinki doesn't he isn't it, does he say he, sweden he's like helsinki sweden. He, i think he says norway oh norway yeah. and they're oh, okay. like finland you moron right you but know? then still pointing out you're like but wait none of this is right it's stockholm Everything what are we talking about? about what is this it's like so yeah. i was i was confused by that i thought why couldn't we call it what the thing is that we all reference and know why can we call it what the thing is that we all reference and know people exactly, exactly. i think i said it succinctly and that's why i said it exactly the same way <laughs> uh so i'll end with this in the original script as in the original novel the action was supposed to take place over three days whoa but john mctiernan was inspired to have it take place over a single night by shakespeare's a midsummer night's dream wow and that's why they got Alan Rickman. That's why they got Alan Rickman. Thought, we need a real Oberon in here as this bank robber. I know. I love the idea of that. I mean, he's, he's going to Broadway shows where he gets Alan Rickman. He's inspired by Shakespeare. He's a much more well-read gentleman, this John McTiernan, than I would have presumed. That's, that's really great. Was Predator based on Shakespeare? <laughs> Was Predator the Tempest? All these men. Is, is he Prospero? He, he's Predator Perot? No, he's Caliban. Oh, Caliban? And, Predator's and Caliban. And Trinculo is, is uh, Arnold. It fits it tracks think about it it tracks and even if you don't think about it it tracks guys it still tracks <laughs> don't worry about it amy cho yes jeff what are you recommending this week i know you'll be shocked to hear i have another podcast to recommend <laughs> people i like books but i find in these quarantines i get very fidgety and i don't sit through them but podcasts i can put on whilst i am cleaning whilst i'm in the shower whilst i am whatever so this is called something was wrong and it is not a podcast for everyone i'm not recommending it for everyone um it is basically like interviews with uh survivors of various traumatic situations and relationships so the first season, which uh, is, I, I don't know, over a certain number of episodes, is the story of this woman who befriended this co-worker um, who turns out had Munchausen syndrome. And it is it is wild. And she's like telling this like story over the course of four years. She's taking care of her friend who she thinks has ovarian cancer. It is. Whoa. It's a lot. I started listening to it because there were these uh, episodes on um, people who had like gotten out of this evangelical cult. Um, and I don't know, it's very interesting. Obviously, like there's a lot of uh, abuse and, and trauma and stuff described. So so use your discretion. But I think for those of us that have not suffered spousal abuse and, you know, that have maybe not like come from an evangelical cult or like, I think it can be very valuable to hear these survivors experiences, not just because like they're interesting and it, like, I think the human condition is always interesting, but just to engender compassion and, and understanding of what it's like to be inside those situations that you can look at from the outside and go like, how on earth did you let this go on for however long? It always feels different when you're on the inside. So I'm recommending the podcast. Something was wrong. Love it. Jeff. Amy Joe. What you recommending? Uh, well, I wanted to recommend another film. We're doing a film, you know, Die Hard. It's, uh, you got your guy, uh, kind of a normal, normal everyday Joe who winds up in a way above his head. Uh, so I want to recommend tw the 2011 crime thriller Headhunters. Uh, it's a Norwegian film that uh, co-stars Jamie Lannister, Nicholas Custer, Waldo. So it, the profile of the film is before Game of Thrones. Um or maybe like right after Game of Thrones started, uh, but he, he it stars this guy Eskel Henny, who's also in like The Martian and stuff. So there's these people, like these Norwegian actors that have been in some stuff, but it's still like a film that went very under the radar. Uh, I double featured it with the first Avengers movie. I like saw wow. I saw this and then I saw Avengers. Um, but it's a really fun like 
twisty little thriller of uh this headhunter who moonlights as an art thief and winds up like targeting the ro- he targets jamie lannister and is like the wrong guy to target uh and is, has to go on the run and it just like snowballs out of control like it's one of those movies where it's like everything that can go wrong does go wrong and when you've got a protagonist that's not a like superhero and you're like oh he's making so many wrong decisions uh it's like it's very fun i i really enjoy it and i feel like nobody knows this film yeah you you had me watch it a few years ago and it's so good yeah it's it's very fun very dark comedic actiony thriller very different from die hard but i feel like if you enjoy die hard you'll enjoy you'll headhunters and that's what we're recommending this week do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of email us at and almost starring at gmail.com and let us know you can find us on instagram at and almost starring and on facebook under the same <laughs> yeah and if you want to know what we're doing next week we announce our film every saturday on the gram and facebook so follow us there if you want to find out so you can prepare you could also go on to a- apple podcasts or itunes or wherever it is you rate your pods and give us a five, five star, star rating. rating and review maybe if, Gosh, if and you feel so inclined it's so silly but it helps so much and we love it we love you for it <laughs> we love you thank Thank you. For, Thank oh, you. what an early Christmas gift. Thank oh you. God. Oh, my God. Thank you. Oh, happy Merry Christmas. Thank you. Um, I didn't get you anything, listener. I'm so sorry. I gave you this podcast. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Amy gave you the and podcast. And by I, I mean oh, Jeff can, can has I, edited Can I go it. in on you? Can I go in and have these for the podcast <laughs> that we deliver and give to the listener? you might qualify. <laughs> Great. Okay, listener. So, thank you for the five-star review. We are giving you this diehard podcast you just listened to. Merry Christmas <laughs> to Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. (laughs) I'm Amy Joe Jackson. Thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.